Hey everyone and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse episode 205. I am Peter and joining me as always, although he's down one vacuum cleaner, is Matt. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Connor's here too. Yeah, yeah, I'm still knocking around. No, 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 you shouldn't be upset. They're not as expensive as I thought they were. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, here comes another big purchase. Yeah. Oh wait, they're not that expensive for a decent one. Okay. Uh, there you go. That's nice. Uh, I just got a new TV arriving today, so I mean that's that's a thing. Uh, yeah. So I've got a setup yet. Oh, uh, setup. No, I, I I managed to do it single-handedly, even though it heavily recommended two people be involved. But yeah, that's that's, that's a recommendation. It's more like guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not so much that it weighs so much, but it was a seventy-inch TV, so it's just so wide or, that yeah. Shit. yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get your arms in the right place to kind of get a good grip and and so on uh i'm still thinking with it though you got to tweak all these settings you got you got your hdr settings your dolby vision settings all these settings anyway this is a dc comics podcast we talk about dc comics once we get going uh coming up on this week's show we do of course have some pretty big news to talk about we'll be doing that very soon but we have books to talk about and coming up on this week's show we have did i close my list why did i do that that was why would I why would I close my list like the second before I need it? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Alright, coming up on this week's show. Smooth. Super smooth. You just you gotta keep rolling. You just keep rolling with it. That's the key to presenting. You just keep talking and everything'll sound confident and no one will question a thing. So coming up on today's show, we have Catwoman, the 80th anniversary special issue one, Action Comics 122. Oh, that's 1022, I should really... <laughs> yeah, because there's a big difference. There's about, you know, a thousand or 900 in between those numbers. Yeah, it made it sound like it was, you know, back in, like, what, 1940s still probably when that, that issue came out. Uh, we got Batman Superman mm-hmm. issue 9, Shazam issue 12, Justice League Dark 22, Far Sector number 6. Matt braised a 100-page one-shot <laughs> from the Black Label line, uh, Birds of Prey issue 1, the much-delayed book. So we'll get some thoughts on that. Uh, I think we all checked out the, the new Deceased Digital Special, uh, Hope at World's End, issue uh, two of that. Uh, and then Cora did do a Patreon book this week. He's going to be talking about Red Hood Outlaw 45, which it's funny that one because it's always just a couple of months behind. That's last month's. Oh, it's one month behind now. You've caught yeah, up. Uh, well, I'm assuming so. I don't think it was It was the latest issue on Comixology, so I'm pretty sure it's the last issue. Um I don't think we've had an issue in, in, in June yet. I don't think there was one this week. No, I, I don't think so. So, so I'm that, one month behind. Yeah, that means that when you read it, you're actually technically caught up for like maybe a week or two until the new issue comes out. <laughs> and then you're behind uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that's technically true. So, yes, that's what's coming up on this week's show. So, yeah, a proper list of books again where things seem relatively back to normal now, barring the big bit of news that we're about to talk about things are relatively back to normal. In fact, one could argue that DC Comics almost said, things are starting to feel too normal. There's, there's they this... were like, we don't want things to ever be normal ever again. Let's change this. Let's do something about this. Now, here's the thing. So the big news this week, of course, is that DC is officially ending their partnership, uh, their relationship entirely even, with Diamond Comics, which is a distributor who, up until now, basically, distributed all of North America's comic books, and has had a monopoly in the industry for about 20 or so years. Five. Yeah, 25 years. years. There you go. So 
this is pretty big news. Now, it's not really surprising news in and of itself. I think the only surprising element of this is how quickly it's happened. I, th I, th I think we all kind of felt that DC were inching towards this over the last few months. There, there was a possibility that it was going to completely go back to normal, right? Um, because over the past few months, when Diamond was shut down, DC didn't like that, so they you know, started up some extra distributors to get their comics out to shops. There was a possibility once things did actually get back to normal that maybe things kind of just, oh, uh, well, these are the distributors fade away a little bit and we end up back with just Diamond. It, it was a possibility. Yeah, but there was always that kind of little suspicion that DC were kind of using this to finally do what they've been wanting to do for a while. And this news just only kind of maybe adds some credence to that. So... Yeah, we, we're going to have a world now where DC Comics do not distribute through, through Diamond, and this has a huge impact on retailers everywhere. Uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. some so, so just simple ways of how they order books, how much how expensive they cost. For those further international, it becomes an even bigger question of are these books even going to be viable to even import and sell anymore? So uh, there's a lot to kind of dig into here, and the reaction to this online from particularly retailers you know people who sell comic books has not been particularly positive <laughs> just shall we see retailers are, are are a fickle bunch aren't they because they've spent at least a decade complaining about diamond of their monopoly mm -hmm. and then here you go oh no give us back diamond what, what the hell are you doing dc um i understand the um the frustration with the speed of it more than anything though because this is um, this goes into effect within ten days. They have um, from from when they, from when DC announced it on the Friday. They have ten days to set up their accounts with the other distributors, uh, so that they're not missing out on books because of the the where the final order cut off dates are. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to be kind of I don't know mean to retailers here, but I feel like you're complaining just now. But once you're all used to ordering through this new system. In a few months' time, this is just going to feel like the new normal, and nothing's really going to matter that much anymore. Like I, this is for North American retailers. For North American retailers, yes, which is typically who we're talking about when we're talking about comic book retailers, unless we specify otherwise. Yeah, I, I just I feel like yeah, it's a bit of a pain to move over, but like you said, all we have heard for the past decade is retailers. Maybe not every retailer. I mean, I'm not going to go through and like actually check who said what, but mm -hmm. just complaints after complaints of diamonds. Like, like quality of shipping, their inconsistencies, just to, uh, what the monopoly does to the, did, the system. Did you see how Diamond actually improved their um, quality of shipping over the last couple of weeks? They like, got shown up by one of the other ones who like did like proper bubble wrap packaging on their boxes and everything, mm. which Diamond never do. And no. uh, obviously, They're this got out, and and retailers like, hey, Diamond, what the hell? You said this wasn't doable. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I guess we can do this as well. Yeah, the number of times that Diamonds had sent damaged books to my shop. The entire boxes. Were, that, yeah, that that's damaged. just... Yeah. And to me, it would be like, if that's your one job, is like the one thing that you're, you're uh, organizing your business around is distribution. You think you would take the most care in that I, one I, thing. That's the, the beauty of this entire situation. Is up until now... They didn't need to, because right. what were the stores going to do? Order from someone else? 
No, co competition is good. And I think what's frustrating about the reactions to this, while I do see there's potential problems and there's obviously going to be a lot of growing pains and other things, is that they've been begging for change for years, but clearly the thought of actually having to go through the, the effort of the change itself is just so like daunting to ask most retailers that they just don't want to do it. That, that now they're just complaining that they have to, it's not just a comfortable same normal that they're used to doing every month. And yeah. maybe the time is not great. Maybe doing this right after everywhere, everywhere's been closed for a couple of months is maybe the worst possible time. Uh, or maybe it's the best possible time because everyone's up in right. upheaval anyway. And, and right. Yeah. Um, can I read a quote from a retailer here? Oh, go for this it. Is, uh, so, you know, it, it was a gut punch after we just reopened our doors for the first time in two months. Understandable. Because as most retailers, I'm not going to cut off my nose to spite my face. I'll order for my regulars the minimum per racks, but I'm not putting any significant resources in their future projects. Isn't that what you should have been doing anyway? Yeah. Like, comics as an industry, you know, a, a comic store has razor-thin margins. We've talked about this before. Uh, most stores cannot afford to have tons of stuff just sitting on the shelves that do nothing. Ordering for your regulars, a little bit for the racks, that's exactly what most smart businesses should be doing in this scenario. Right. Well, yeah. and then a part of it was, though, too, is that I, was, I wasn't collecting comics in the 90s, but I hear the horror stories and, you know, where, where they were doing the gimmicky covers and this, that, and the other, and it was just everything was, it was a bubble that popped. And it seemed, at least from my shop, trying to get those exclusive covers where you had to order X amount to get that seemed to be counterintuitive for what they needed to do. Like, I remember when Forever Evil, was it Forever Evil? I think it was Forever Evil came out and they had like the one in 100 cover, right? He couldn't sell it because no one wanted to buy this cover, so he gave it away in a raffle, right? And then he had, a hundred issues, you know, maybe not a hundred, let's say 50 extra issues of Forever Evil 1 or whatever issue it was just sitting there. Yeah, you and know? that's, that's um, why those sorts of variants are traditionally priced so high is yeah. a store, if, if they only need 50 copies total, but the, it's a one in 100, well, they have to order 50 extra copies that they don't think right. they're going to sell. So they have to sell that variant at 50 times right. yeah. the well, to make the, up the, the whole point of that, though, is that you have someone, you know, wants to buy it before you make your order. You have someone who specifically requests, right. I want that cover. So, okay, and like, okay, fine. Well, this is what it's going to cost if we have to order it. Right, right. And so now I can definitely see them getting away from that. And then it'll actually, instead of speculators pumping up the market, it'll actually be, that's what that book's worth, right? Because you had to order 100 of them. So... Again, I don't see too much as a consumer, as long as my shop that is is going to get physical DC books. If not, I'm going to have a problem. Like, I mean, well, so that's um, the point where you find a new shop, find yeah. you have to mail order from somewhere, yeah. right? Some some shops are obviously are claiming they're not going to support DC anymore. I mean, we'll see. If the customers want the things, they're going to get no, the yeah. things. This is this is the thing issue. If you say, "Oh well, we won't buy it," you know, we we won't buy it to sell it. You know, as a as a retailer, then fine your customers will order it from somewhere else if they want those books they will get them yeah it's, it's yeah i because i saw another uh it's one of the ones you posted actually uh, i don't know who said this but it was something to do with uh, the wrong side of history right something about mm -hmm. being on the wrong side of history and it was uh you know 
to uh, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. And there this you was go. From the uh, image uh, publisher Eric Stevenson who said that. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that is supposed to be something that's saying, "Hey, DC, Marvel tried to be right. independently this in the nineties, and it didn't work. It almost put them under." And I feel like, yeah, but like. Are, are we praising the idea that there was a monopoly? Do we want that monopoly to keep being a monopoly? I don't think we do. I don't think we've ever wanted that, really. No, but back in the 90s, they didn't have day-and-day digital comics either. That's also true. I mean, yeah, so there's a whole, a whole market avenue. So different. And I get that they're scared and whatnot, and I don't, I, I don't understand the publishing side, like how much it costs them, or them going with two companies versus just the one, how much that's going to cost a shop more or whatever. But I did see a thing from one of someone talking about it, one of the retailers saying that DC's broken it up to where like the West Coast, they want to order from one of the distributors yeah. and East Coast from the other, which seems to me now they're streamlining and they're trying to help this along. So it's not like they're making it from my point of view. They're not making it that difficult. Now, is it going to cost more to ship through this one company, you know? than yeah, anyone else, DC but I, I don't put know. Out a Q&A, and um, on that, they actually said, um, you, uh, West Coast and Canadian retailers should use Luna, and East Coast mm -hmm. should use UCS, uh, mainly because that will maximize the shipping plans because of where they're located, right. so it'll just be quicker for you. Right, hubs. Yeah, yeah. makes yeah. sense. So, um, but yeah, so I, my shop owner had gone on record saying that he didn't want to order from two different but now if DC's not giving him the choice, I also can't see him going like, well, I'm not going to order DC now. It's going to be like, well, I'll just order less because the wall of unsold comics from DC versus Marvel, like there's a whole wall of the back issues of, of DC versus a half of a wall for, for Marvel. And, and then the other half of that one wall is Indies. So I don't know if there's going to change his business, mom, uh, business model or what, I, I mean, know he's been ordering less comics. He's been ordering too many DC comics. Yeah, right? So, um, yeah, I, I don't know where it's going to go. As long, again, I know it sounds selfish, but as long as I can keep getting my physical books there, which I'm already cutting significantly, right? Like, I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah, I uh, know. It's, it's brave new territory, and I, I, I think... Everyone, I think they complain about it is this reactionary thing that feels a little bit strong, mm -hmm. even though it, it there is some you know interesting wrinkles to this. Like, how does this affect international? Where yeah, can we can we talk about that a minute? Because I, I don't know if people are familiar with the the international situation, especially over here in the UK and and uh, a lot of Europe. Uh, I think you could probably, probably just safe to say they'll say the Atlantic really, uh, in terms of what this affects. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but generally speaking, um, over here it's all done through uh, Diamond UK, uh, which is still obviously part of Diamond, but it's its own independent branch. Uh, but DC will not be using them either, by the sounds of it. Uh, they have a you know they have a hub here in in the UK that that services here and a lot of Europe because they're close enough to do so. And the idea is, all the stores order through them, uh, all the shipping costs go through. To Diamond UK, it's all air freight, you know, packaged into one load over to one distribution hub and then sent out across from there, which significantly cuts down uh, shipping charges for any individual store. Um, but now, uh, one store has said their belief, as again, as of Friday evening, this could change, 
is that instead of getting their you know their standard discount that they get um from diamond uh, and then however much they pay for shipping from them they typically paid about 60 to 65 percent of the cover price so that left you know roughly 35 to 40 percent as profit uh, whereas now once they're adding the shipping for this new system it's going to be they're going to be paying over the cover price already just for just to import it and get it in the store uh, for just dc comics so they're like well these prices are going to have to almost double uh, for us to have the same profit margin yeah i mean basically one of two things will happen here either dc is going to decide they care about the other side of the planet in terms of their single physicals their physical singles i may say uh and they'll ensure something is set up to make it feasible because obviously what you described there is not feasible if if single issue comics have to double in price then that's it dc singles are dead physical singles that is are dead they are the, i think they say to the planet they're just they're, they're gone honestly what would be a very viable solution if they wanted to avoid diamond which they clearly do is team up with another established distributor over here uh panini springs to mind they do a lot of um over here, Marvel stuff specifically, they do a lot of like uh, Marvel paperback trades mm. uh, for bookstore market. But also, they actually have rights. They have they already have agreements with Marvel and DC for single issues. Uh, those those are the company that print the new store reprints that we get sometimes over here. You'll find them in like W H Smiths or your news agents. It'll be usually a collection of two or three issues from six to twelve months ago, uh, and they'll just kind of do like anthology reprints like that. Um, so obviously most people don't collect them like that because that's a horrible way to, to read them. Um, but the fact is they already have, uh, you know, they already have deals and agreements with this company. They already have distribution countrywide set up. Uh, it, maybe that's something that DC will look into. Yeah, maybe. Because, uh, I mean, obviously it doesn't affect the trades because, I mean, trades and stuff already go through book channels anyway. I mean, not all, obviously comic book shops have begun getting them through Diamond, but you know, Amazon, all these different places, yeah. they, they get them from traditional places anyway. Com comic shops had the option to get them through Diamond or through uh, Penguin Random House is what DC are using. And they've been using them for a couple of years anyway. So this isn't like new, but now it'll just be yeah. exclusively through Penguin Random House. So I don't think most stores will have too much of a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, even, even if comic stores didn't sell DC trades anymore, like trades being in Europe isn't going to be an issue. That's still the same as kind of what it always has been. Yeah. It's the singles that, that could potentially be changing dramatic, dramatically here. And there's a chance that DC might decide that it's just not worth the effort. Like, whatever physical singles they actually sell, that, you know, some people will, will switch to digital, some people will switch to trades, and they're willing to just kind of take that hit. And the percentage in the middle of those two camps that just stop reading altogether, maybe they're willing to just leave that it's, behind. Um, it's a lot of money to lose, because uh, the UK alone is 15 to 20% of the entire comics market when it comes to you know print singles yeah and over here traditionally we have a higher proportion of dc readers than marvel um just uh, <laughs> due to what was available no no just due to what was available like 20 years ago during the distributor wars those um the, the dc had a big advantage over here in that time uh so a lot of people grew up with more dc available than marvel and that has kind of just filtered through over the years especially in those older readers or just better taste that's, that's probably possible i mean no that, that's, that's possible but i mean there just are put that out there. like genuine reasons that you can point at and go there are 
this is why there is a higher market share in the UK for DC. I'll put it this way. I feel like I have met tons of people from the UK who grew up in Batman the Animated Series, but have never seen the X-Men or Spider-Man cartoons. That, that, uh, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, I have, I have encountered that repeatedly, uh, including myself, I, I should point out. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, just it's a DC place. <laughs> It's a DC kind yeah. of place. Um, yeah, so whatever happens, it's, it's definitely big stuff. And, you know, we'll see how this, this this develops over time. Obviously, that means that DC are officially staying on Tuesdays. Now, I imagine a lot of comic book stores are still going to wait until Wednesday just because it's just easier for them out, yeah. Yeah, to, to have it all in one big trial. And I mean, even if they're getting them in separate days, it's just easier for them for stock reasons to just put them out in the same release day. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so... I don't know. It's just... It was uh, it was notable that DC dropped this news on a Friday, where they don't have to answer any questions about it now till Monday at the earliest. <laughs> Hopefully, I think their intention is is hoping some people might you know calm down a little bit over the weekend. Uh, not sure if that'll actually be the case or not. But... It's a tried and true method, really. Uh... It is. I know. Um, like my own store has addressed it on Twitter very vaguely. You know, they've been asked, oh, "Hey, so." Is this going to affect you guys with these? And they've just said, stay tuned. Because I don't think they know yet, is yeah. the honest answer. I, I, I wouldn't imagine they would know yet. I, I, I think it boils to at least for stores in the US and North America, I think it boils down to the fact that if, if you've got a customer who is more DC-focused, right, and their pull list is either mostly or all DC, uh, looking at Matt here, <laughs> then... I mean, are these people going to look at their, all their customers and go, okay, so that's like, say, half of my customers who ma- mainly buy DC Comics. Am I willing to lose all those customers? Because that's essentially the choice they're going to be making if they want to be stubborn and not switch mm-hmm. over to the new distributor. So, Yeah, and, and you would think that would hurt more than just going through the effort of setting it up. And mm-hmm. Like I said, I think it's shitty that they've only got 10 days to set up these. If they didn't set them up beforehand, if they decided they were just going to wait for Diamond, right? Um, they've got 10 days to, to get everything ready to go because, it, you know, you, it was going to be this Monday's final cutoff, but DC were like, look, we accept that three days isn't really enough time, so we'll give you an extra week. We'll we'll push the final order cutoff for those books back a week. Honestly, what they, I mean, again, it's more the execution of how they're, they're doing this rather than the, the, the idea itself. But yeah, what would have been probably better say, hey, in three months, like we're ending a relationship with Diamond. So, you know, basically all the new solicits coming out, like you, all those orders, you're going to have to go through a new system. But that would be a lot of time to like have the shops have a time to transition over. You know, maybe even switch some of their orders before then if they want to just sort of like do a later month with a new distributor and kind of see how it goes. And I, I don't know, whatever. But there, there could have been more of a transitionary period. Whereas this is kind of a no, you've got a week and a bit to just completely shift everything over. Uh, so yeah. It, and you, customers will be seeing this difference in their stores by roughly start of July, I think. Um, so you know, so it, uh, the the relationship with Diamond is coming to a close following Diamond's distribution of product offered on DC's final order cutoff list of June first, and they're usually about a month in advance. Mm. So yeah, we'll be seeing these effects very soon, and we'll see. You know what this does to, like, I don't know. Will DC sell more books this way? Will they sell less books? Will Will this hurt the sales of other books because they're not? Yeah, I, uh, I think what's fascinating is we might not know, because Diamond are very 
transparent in some ways with their sales figures. Well, I want to go to my next point, though. What if, like, are we going to see a reduction in other books, though? Because customers who typically buy DC and then they'll pick a few other things up. If they're not either in the same day because the books are on a different day, or if they're just not going to that store anymore, like, do we see a reduction in, like, Marvel sales figures? Because some DC fans who buy a few Marvel books are no longer there that day. Uh, it's possible, but I, I, I don't know how big an effect I'll have. I think, you know, what I say, with, with the sales figures, I think it's notable that Diamond are transparent, but not for their own good, more because it forces, you know, DC and Marvel to, to try and outdo each other. And that's good for Marvel, or that's good for Diamond, because, well, hey, it's more orders through us, right? More, mm. more, more money for us. Um, without this, I mean, I've seen speculation, this is part of the reason why DC's done it, in that Marvel go out of the way so much to ape the numbers with variants and all sorts, so that they're consistently the top of the the uh, the charts and the sales figures, right? They're, 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 I'd say probably eight or nine months out of, out of the year, they come in number one in, well, with the book, and it, they tend even... to have a bigger market share. There's even the conspiracy that for some reason, whenever Marvel's not a number one book, it takes a week extra for the sales figures to come out for some reason. Is that as if they demand a recount when they're not number one? I mean, it's interesting that you say it's a conspiracy. I think what the reasoning might be a conspiracy, but it does seem to line up. Oh yeah, like I, if, I, I say that because it's kind of like almost so ridiculous that it's worth saying it's a more of a joke. But it does actually line up when you look at when the, the sales figures come out each month. It always seems to line up wherever there's a Marvel bit number one. It's that week earlier. Whenever it's not, it's a week later. Yeah, and so there is some speculation that DC did this so that they don't have to publish their numbers through, you know, these other uh, companies, and they don't have to have the headlines every month of Marvel has best Marvel market share again, you know, Marvel top sales figures list, and they don't have to seem like they're being beaten every single month. Mm. That could that could be a that could that could be a big part of it. Uh, the the image sort of you know the public image deception, of it yeah uh nah so yeah interesting stuff interesting times ahead uh obviously we'll keep an eye on however this progresses obviously th this may affect how you get your books if you're still buying them physically and many of you of course are so we'll see how it goes it's, it's kind of funny that i almost started going physical again right before the outbreak happened and then everything <laughs> since has basically been like yeah you don't want to do that <laughs> yeah yeah i'm, I'm really concerned i, I... Uh, I, I love my shop, and I, uh, I'd i say probably about half of my overall pull list with my store is DC books. Mm -hmm. But if they end up having to double the price of them, I'm just not going to be able to afford that. No, I, very, even, no matter how much you like the books, pay, paying going from 350 to £7 for a single issue comic, which, for the record, is almost enough for most like smaller trades at that point. Like, uh, <laughs> especially well, in image first trade. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I love DC, but if that was if I was in Connor's shoes, then it, um, that's my sign to go strictly digital. Yeah, you know, right. I, and I, this I, is where I really pay a premium on my books in my store versus digital, which I don't mind. You know, it's it's right. not a huge amount. It's it's like maybe five percent at most, but it's like right. okay, I I'm happy to pay well, that for my store. And, and this reminds me too when the Comics Hub news is going around, and it was like, well, if they can get the the publishers to play ball i think this helps everybody right like there's a there's a way to do it i want actually if they just want to try you know i wonder if the reason part of the reason why that maybe fell through 
At this ADC was a holdout and said they didn't want to do it. I wonder if part of that is because they knew they were separating or they were going to try and yeah. separate. That's part of what stores are quite annoyed about is that um, all of their point-of-sale software, all their data entry stuff, mm-hmm. but all their orders, is all the software for that, such as Comic Sub, is just designed around Diamond's system. It's all inputted direct from that. So without this now, they've got to do it all manually, and it's like twice as, two or three times as much work for some of them. Yeah, uh, I mean, for well, now, I have to imagine Comic Hub will be, I mean, sure, it'll be annoying for them for the next couple of weeks, but I assume they're going to be updating their system to incorporate this other I, pair of services. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I wonder if that is part of why DC said no, is because with, with Comic Hub, everything was run through, you know, Diamond System, and DC mm. was like, well, we're not going to be there much longer, so let's not. Right. Get too hasty on this. I mean, that makes more sense. Like, if you're if your conspiracy hat on, right? That that stuff seems to line up. I mean, I've seen you all know. sorts of conspiracies around this. Like, um, apparently, this is the reason Didio uh, yeah, left. Yeah, one wanted to do with this, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to have to be the, the the man out there that was the face of this move. And he was like, "I'm not dealing with this flack. You're on your own." Yeah. See, I just I don't see outside. Like, I don't know. Maybe because I'm looking through rose colored glasses. Um, I don't see the flack before it happens. Like, if this happens and it's a mess, then I could see it, but I don't know. I think it's... Retailer, uh, retailers are the ones who are quite annoyed by this. Most consumers are mm-hmm. either unaware, uninterested, or think that, oh, great, we're breaking up the monopoly. I'm sure, so, we I'm so well, happy. I'm so happy to listen to this podcast. Then, if they're all either unaware or uninterested, I, I, said most, <laughs> not all. I mean, there are obviously people who are listening to this who care. Yeah. So, like, it, it was telling you too that when my my shop shut down and they put up a virtual storefront, it was to sell magic cards, and and to keep that part of their business up and running, and it wasn't the comics. So, like, again, I understand if you're a comics first shop. You know, you're not part of one of the larger chains and this like creating a headache for you. But I saw a lot of people, a lot of retailers talking about, oh, this is going to mess up my entire comic section. I was like, well, I, don't, I doubt comics are getting you through. You know, I feel like it's everything else you're selling that's making the, the big chunk of it. So and then there's the other conspiracy, too, that this is DC trying to pull out of weekly comics. Oh, and yes. To they go to trade first. Entirely. That- which I think is a stupid argument. Doesn't make sense. If they, yeah. if they wanted to pull out of single issues entirely, which let's let's take that that as, at face value for just for a second mm-hmm. for the sake of this argument, why do they go through the effort of setting up two whole new distributors to do this? Would, why not just sense. go? All right, screw it. Well, we've got Penguin and Random House. They're doing our trades. We're good. Also, their singles right. have been doing pretty well, pretty well the last few years yeah. like they've been very consistent, if not rising a little bit. So yeah, yeah. this all goes back to rumors and. Hearsay that um, that uh, Warner Bros. and AT&T executives yeah. have been saying that oh, it seems like too much effort. There's too much deadlines and editorial, and you know, it, it's all this. It's not enough of a profit margin, and we're not sure if it's worth the effort involved. And I'm like, ah, if it's making the money, I don't see it. And also, I think we spoke about this before. Just the uh, the value in having it of the 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 IP creation house for adaptations. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like every so often we get one of these these rumors, these insane rumors of like, oh, is this all folding? Uh, it's it's the same with um, there's other there's other rumors like this for other things where oh, is this the end of of this thing? Is this like I don't know, are Microsoft giving up on consoles? I'm sure that was a thing at some point when they were doing not so hot at the start of the Xbox One generation. Like you know, there, there was 
course they're not. They had they had yeah. one bag generation, right? Yeah. So it's just this that's kind of the fear mongering. That's kind of what your your comic gated places will start posting because that's what they love the, the drama that word. the headlines. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I finally understand from Harry Potter why they didn't say Voldemort's name. I get it. Like for the longest time, I thought I was like, yeah, and like and and like I get it because I was always like on Hermione's side, going like it's just a word, it's just a name. But when after you've seen the ugliness attached, it's just better to talk around it. And I finally get it. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really great to talk about the all the stuff going on in the world right now. But I just wanted to uh, bring up one anecdotal thing. Uh, did anyone see the the clip of Batman showing up at one of the protests? Uh, I think it was in Philadelphia. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because a because the suit looked really good, but it legitimately looked like it was B roll from like you know the Dark Knight Rises when he's going up to fight Bane in the streets. Mm-hmm. It legit because of the the, the 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 smoke and the tear gas or whatever it was in the air. Right. It legitimately looked like that moment in that movie. I am. Um... I haven't seen this. I know there is a guy in the US. I think he is in Philadelphia. So this is my boy. It's triggering bells that um, he, he's like a you know a reasonably rich guy who has like a really high quality looking bat suit and he has like a Batmobile and he drives around with like cancer <laughs> kids and stuff. Yes. Um, which is why. So I think that is is plausibly that same guy. Matt, he's fulfilling wishes. Why are you why are you shaking your head at it? <laughs> because he's a rich guy that thinks he's Bruce Wayne. That's Wait, it. He's not actually fighting crime. He's going and giving kids with cancer riding the yeah, Batmobile. Yeah, he's showing up to some of the stuff that's going on. I, uh, I don't know, man. It was it made for a visual. It made for a visual. Is all I'm going yeah. to say. Uh, so, but uh, yes, I haven't yes. seen it. But I'm, I'm going to quickly search uh, yep. on on Twitter for that, Batman. That said, oh, um, okay, my okay. Girl- my, my dear old dad sent me some new masks that he finally got here from wherever he ordered them from, and they're remarkably Bane-esque. So, with the state of the world, it was only a matter of time. Yeah, you know. why not? If you're going to wear a mask, you might as well go Bane. Yeah. This makes Corbin sense. told me it was Golden Knights, and it showed up, and it was Rams. Not at all the same, not even the same sport. So, either they bait and switched my dad, or dad was a little tipsy when ordering, and clicked the wrong team. So... <laughs> Um, which is entirely plausible. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, so, but uh, not to treat this too lately, though. I'll, I'll just make this very clear at the end of this little segment. Black Lives Matter. The end. We're moving on. That's right. Uh, so one bit of news I think we have to uh, also mention. It's not as big, obviously, from an industry point of view, but extremely annoying for my purposes because I'll let me tell you what I do every week, folks. Every week for for this show, I <laughs> why is why is Matt taking his headphones off? Is this... I'm confused by this. You will listen to this, Matt. What are you doing? Honor, is he done? I'm just going to tell him about the, 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 the certain purchase that happened this week, a certain transition that happened right, in the interwebs. Right. Uh, so every week for this show, when I'm getting the news, I, I go to Newsarama, I click on the comics tab, and I go to news. And I just go back through the week and pick out the relevant things. I can't do that anymore. Because Games Radar have purchased or whatever comics uh, or uh, Newsarama, so I think they purchased them a while ago. But this is just the them in- officially folding them into that family, yes, that the, website. The integration of so, so this is annoying for several reasons. One of all, well, all of their old articles are just gone. So I tried to look up the solicits for April uh, to get some images for like thumbnails or whatever, mm-hmm. like uh, earlier in the week. No, nope, not yeah, there anymore. Some, uh, over the years, Newsarama have produced some fantastic interviews, some fantastic think pieces. Um, gone. Yeah. 
Uh, and if they do exist in any way, they are not the same links. Maybe, maybe you can find them somehow buried somewhere in a new format, but they're not available uh, via the old links. And yeah, honestly, the site's horrible to use. And the reason why I can't use the news section anymore is because when you go to uh, show more news, it just mixes in all the movies and video games and TV shows with the comics. So it's completely useless for actually quickly it's, getting the comic book news. It's particularly annoying because it has like an all news section, which fine, if that's what you want. It's got a video game section and it's got a movie and TV section. It does not have a comic section. If it had a comic section, I would... Not would I be complaining? I think I, yeah. the, uh, yeah. I, I despise Games Radar any, anyway. Anytime I search for something in general and I click on it, and I don't look at what I'm clicking on, I just see, oh, the headline, that's what I want. That's, uh, I click on it and it's a Games Radar link. And it comes up with, uh, oh, you're using an ad block. Uh, pay us this much per, per week to, to, to get rid of this message or to set all no. your whitelists in your ad blocker. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And I did, there's no way to get rid of this box. It's just, no, you can't use the site once this pops up. Yeah, um, well, it's just it's a clunky site. It, it reminds me of you know this happens every so often on the internet. I remember I used to use a great DVD cataloging site called DVD Spot, and then some of the bigger one of the bigger websites bought it, and it just completely went to shit. Uh, sometimes it's just a redesign, like Box Office Mojo. I hate how that looks and feels now. It's just I mean it still works, but it's much more clunky to use. It's every so often this happens to a website that's really useful, and it just gets eaten alive by something else, and it turns into a it's... pile of shit. It's funny how purchase acquisitions tend to go one of two ways, in my experience. You have this way where they completely fold it into their own brand and just be like, this is our, our thing now, and it's completely unrecognizable to what it was before, which news around. Mm -hmm. Or you have what's happened with Comixology and Audible before it, where they're purchased by Amazon, and there is absolutely no, no progress whatsoever in any features after that takeover. It's just completely halted. They don't want to actually pump any resources into making it better. They're just like, however we were, we got it when we bought it, that's it for good now. Uh, to a fault. where um, To a fault, yeah. but it's better than the other option. <laughs> no, it is, but like, there, are, option, there are so many easy quality of life updates that could yeah. be done for, for Comixology or, or Audible, which has been going on even longer. That's been like a decade since Amazon bought yeah. that. And no, just completely untouched. They, they could do with maybe, the, you know, evolving it a little bit just for ease of use but uh, i'll take i'll take leaving it untouched over we're going to bastardize it and make it unusable yeah Do you know one, of my, one of my most annoying features on comicsology yeah it's, it's if you're in your own your own library and you want to uh, this is on the desktop specifically i'm not sure if it applies on uh on the mobile devices um if you're in your library there's a bar to search your books and you can you know start typing mm -hmm. however it will only find things that match the start. So if, you, if you're looking for a Batman book and you type Bat, that's, that's great. But if you're looking for a Superman book and it's The Adventures of Superman is, is, the, is the series that you're actually looking for, it won't show up unless you search for Adventures. Huh. And it's like, why? Just If I search Superman, just show me all the things for Superman. This I, is an easy thing. Right. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I I typically just click on the letter and just I'm I'm just used to I'm just I, I'm used to knowing which which comic books are. Yeah, but what. sometimes I I just don't know what I want to read, and I'm like, well, I just want something with I just want to read a Superman book in my library. So what have I got available? Yeah. And I'll I'll go and look, and it's it's just like well, this isn't all my Superman books. No, no. Uh, plus, he'll accidentally hit his hentai section of his collection, and that's for a different mood. Well, on comics holiday. 
I don't know, do they not sell hentai? I have no idea. I'm going to go on a limb and say no, comicsology not sell hentai. I'm not into this weird technical stuff. Uh, <laughs> Massive big fan, clearly. Uh, so uh, yeah. that, that basically wraps up the news. So uh, we'll see how DC not with Diamond anymore pans out. Uh, I hate this newsorama development. It is awful. It, it stings as well because there isn't any other good uh, oh, yeah, they're all gone. dedicated news site anymore. This newsorama was the last one. Yeah, Carbic Resources became a, a pile of shite years ago. Oh, there, there was a, a great one. Like, so a couple of weeks ago, they had the, uh, there was a the meme headline yeah. generator that went around. That was funny. What was even better was yeah. just last week, where they were they said a headline about something in the last issue of Venom, I think it was. Oh. And Johnny Cates, the writer of that book, retweeted this headline and went, I don't even know what they're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that dear. sounds right. That um, sounds right. Yeah, I on Reddit, someone posted a bunch of back issues of of Wizard, and I said I really miss these guys right now, which I never thought. How, how is it that I'd print, get nostalgic for? Print journalism is is more well archived than digital now, thanks yeah, to this news right? So like, I found out about a lot of comic stuff because there was a while where I didn't have access to a comic shop, so all the news that I got for comics came through Wizard. So that once a month when it would, you know, show up at my house in the mail, it was like, I, I understand when people get excited over the previews, mm. right? Because it was along the same kind of lines. Mm. Uh, that's how I found out about Jeff Johns and uh, even Kevin Smith writing comic books and whatnot, like all through Wizard. And now I think about the, the people coming up right now. How are they going to figure this stuff out? I mean, you know, I, if they don't I, have a comic shop to go to, it's, it's just like a gamble. I mean, I'm assuming that Solicis will still go to this newsorama. It's just all the old ones are, are just gone. You can't find them, mm-hmm. even last month's. Yeah, I'm assuming so. Uh, it's more just there is no dedicated hub for nah. comics news anymore, which, which sucks. Someone needs to I, step up. Yeah, if I had the time to just start a comic book uh, news website, I'd totally do it, but I do not have the time for that. So uh, someone else is going to have to take the take the reins and <laughs> go, go and start a new comic book website. That just gives me the news in a nice format that's easy to find. It's all I want. And, you know, they can do, you know, interviews, think pieces, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. Like, by all means, do those. But don't don't give us clickbaity headline articles like CBR, for example. Don't just give us unsubstantiated gossip like this certain <laughs> other site. I, I can almost see a headline from this, this Catwoman issue we're going to talk about. Like, someone knocked up Catwoman. You'll never guess who the father is. Uh-huh. Five people it could be and five people it could not be. <laughs> <laughs> or five that you wish that it was. I'm like, oh, man. You know Catman's going to be on that list just because of the names. Oh, uh, <sighs> Yeah. And here's the thing, those CBR headlines have given me a lot more joy in the last couple of weeks, just because it seems like they embraced the meme of the generator. So, like, so much that Donnie Cates is like, I don't even know what they're talking about, and I wrote the damn thing. So, <laughs> like, yeah. I, just, I, I love that. Oh, yeah, number one will be Catman, and then, then it'll just completely change mm-hmm. gears, and number two will be, I don't know. Uh, Jafar from Aladdin. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why not? All right, let's talk about comic books, shall we? Uh, 
Okay, so first up uh, this week, naturally we've got one of those big 80th anniversary, 100 page, super spectaculars, whatever they're calling this one, because they keep changing their mind. But this is the Catwoman 80th anniversary issue special. And yeah, there's a bunch of stories here. As all with, the, with these ones, because there's like 10 stories, we'll, we'll give you the creative teams as we go and talk about each story. Uh, so, I mean, I wasn't super pumped about this one. Not that I've been, like, amazingly pumped about a lot of the ones this year, but, I, you know, I was I was looking forward to Wonder Woman and Flash a bit more than this, and I'm definitely looking forward to Green Lantern more than this. Uh, this one and Joker feel a bit more, and even Robin as well, I'd say, even though I love a lot of those characters, feels a bit more strenuous. Cash grab. Cash, yeah, yeah, cash grab, yes, sure. And that, that's what it is, and, like, there, there's a place for these kind of stories. I just don't know if doing a big yeah. hundred or I will say, page thing is it. I, so, I looked at it and I'm like, uh, eight pounds to, to read. I don't know, maybe two stories that I was interested in. I was like, I, I have right now with everything that's going on with my job, I don't have the money for that. True. I'm good. I just want to say that the the Joker one. Um, I'll, I'll look at the creative teams first because I don't know if I want to do this next week. That's, I'll take over for Connor there. Like, it's, does that mean Connor has to tag in into Joker? Is that what you're saying? I mean, maybe. I, we, we all know how I stand on Joker as a character anyways. Um, so yeah, it, it'll really depend. I, I remember getting overly excited for the John Carpenter Joker issue that came out. And it kind of was just like, meh. It was okay. So, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it was a, a bit of a gimmick having John Carpenter rate a Joker comic. And it was just... It was yeah. right around the Joker movie. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a lot so, of Joker like minis and one shots that were hitting around that, that time. That said, I used to feel the same about Harley in something. I don't know if it was the Seja Carleen book or what, but I don't mind Harley anymore. It's weird. It's like something switched in my brain, and I was like, oh, this is a fun character. Did Did you check out the Mark Russell Harley yet? Not yet. I have it. I have it downloaded, but I didn't read it uh, yet. So I'll, I'll I'll let you know. But. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, so Catwoman. Yeah, that's that's worth through these stories. Then the first story is called Skin the Cat. Uh, we, we, we prepare for a lot of puns in these titles, by the way. There's a few of them from uh, yeah. Uh, but Paul Denny wrote this one with Emanuela Lupacino on the art. This is a story of Catwoman essentially going after some guy who's been stealing, kidnapping uh, various, you know, uh, wild cats, you know, tigers, lions, yeah, pumas, whatever. I don't know if you guys took took the time and and lost part of your soul watching tiger king on netflix <laughs> but as as they were you know these big cats were going missing i thought well that's either the work of joe exotic who could easily be a batman villain or carol baskin um e- either or so uh, it wasn't either or either yeah. or them it was yeah <laughs> I think my opinion, even though this is the Denny one, which you obviously you might be excited for because hey, it's Paul Denny yeah. and he's doing Catwoman. Honestly, that's kind of I share about the sentiment I have for this one's the same I have for maybe about two thirds of this book, which is there's nothing technically wrong with the story. It's it's just kind of there and it yeah doesn't elicit you, you much excitement. Kind of just some why I ultimately elected not to read because I was speaking to Matt yeah. about it earlier in the week because he'd, uh, he'd he'd read it a few days ago, I think. Yep. And uh, it was like, you know, there was maybe a handful of stories that I was like, oh, I could be interested in that, or I could be interested in this. And the Dinny one was one of them, because, you know, Dinny and, and Lupacino. Mm-hmm. And then Matt was like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. You know, it, it's like a, like an annual story. And I went, oh, I don't really need yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. It's her looking for these big jungle cats and coming across this warehouse, you know, and 
the Zordini's really good because he understands Gotham where he throws in a line that there's too many warehouses, empty warehouses in Gotham. So she had to, you know, think about exactly where. And it's actually this would be. one of two books that make that same point this week as yeah. well, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so she tracks him down and the cats have been taxidermied painstakingly to where she thinks that one that's lunging at her is still alive uh, and stuff. And comes to find out this guy's just a taxidermist that works for the mob. And this is like his thing. And he wanted to get Catwoman and taxidermy her, which is yeah. maybe. But she uh, then, she did a, uh, she pulled the rug out from under him though by actually revealing yeah. that the she had the cats pretending to be mm-hmm. <laughs> to be still. Which I I own a cat, uh, or I have a cat. You really can't own a cat. Oh, the cat she owns you, man. I, yeah, yeah. She doesn't listen. I mean, she's around here right now, causing chaos under my feet. And again, I know it's Catwoman. I know she has a special way with them, but my cat doesn't listen for shit. I can't imagine a a jaguar being any different <laughs> yeah so basically she has the the cats kill the, the dude and that's basically yeah. the end of the story uh and you know it's and honestly like i like lupacino's art a lot as well i don't actually think this story though is up to lupacino's best in terms of standard yeah. though so uh, no it's again it's fine it's, it's fine. i'm just feeling like a lot of these and i don't want to say like annual quality is necessarily a bad thing but there, there's a reason why the annuals kind of always feel like second rate. I, I would say they just kind of feel like mismatched stories, and it's super rare that you get one like the was it the Tom Taylor Father's Day one? For, oh sure, for yeah. I, I would say it's like that's rare. I'd say eight times out of ten they feel kind of just worth not worthless. That's maybe a bit harsh, but they feel just yeah. kind of like okay, whatever. Like they, they were skippable. And then that one or two times out of ten, you'll get that special Tom Taylor one. I mean, because even just yeah. with these anthology issues, like one one of my favorite stories in the last few years is easily Tom Taylor. Again, we're bringing up Tom Taylor a lot, but yeah. his uh, Supergirl story and that nuclear winter special from like two or three right. years ago uh, was phenomenal, and it made that reading that entire book worth it. So I, I guess my hope getting into one of these things at any given time is that there'll be one of those. There'll be one of those stories yeah. that says, "No, I'm glad I read this hundred pages and- just for that story." And I'm going back to think, and even from One Woman, so far there really there hasn't in a lot of these. Like I feel like the action and detective ones did because you know it's, I feel like you had creators really throwing in everything they had for Superman and Batman. And that's not to say they're not working hard on these ones; they just don't have that connection. They're, honestly, my problem with a lot of these anthology books tends to be that half the stories end up feeling they're not really stories. They, they feel like they don't have like a beginning, middle, and end. They're just kind no. of like a a snapshot and, and a showcase a, yeah and it doesn't really yeah. have like a like a cool. satisfying like conclusion to it in the story we'll itself get to one and that's kind of what i appreciate in something like this where it doesn't have to play in the continuity so you could take liberties because one of the stories is set in batman you know 66 sure era, yeah yeah and, and it plays it exactly like that uh so and then another one's a completely meta story which i enjoyed oh, yeah, so we'll, i mean we'll get to get we'll to get those, those. Yeah. So, uh, so, so that was the Denny Lupicino one mm-hmm. uh, to start with. Uh, a couple of pinups, of course. We got a classic. These kind of, I mean, not all of them, but some of the ones are decade uh, specific. They kind of yeah. go in order. Uh, so then we have the Anne Nocente uh, story with Robson Roca on the art. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not entirely sure. 
Oh no, it wasn't this one. There was one later on that I, I, I'll be honest, I was confused by and didn't really get. <laughs> this one is, you know, it's two security guards and they're kind of like talking about how donuts are, like one of them's like really into like so, making <laughs> donut jokes. Yeah, so Nocenti goes and makes it like they're interchangeable with cops. And to, and to me, security guards and cops are not the same, right? You know, and, but to Nocenti, it's interchangeable. And I just, I did not like this story. This is the one that almost made me like, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, just like in the, the guy security guard, his motivation didn't seem to make sense. Like he wants to work with Catwoman, but not really. So well, yeah, let I, me, I don't know. Let me explain the context here. So Catwoman is hiding something in the birdcage in the top of this building that they're security guarding, I guess okay. is the term. And he goes up and finds it, and then he fights with Catwoman, and he basically tries to rope her into, like, an ongoing agreement. Hey, like, a lot of shipments come through this building. I can make sure that doors are open, yeah. we can work together, and I can take a cut. He wants to sort of make things go. Uh, and then there's a sort of twist ending there after they fight, and he falls off the uh, the roof. Well, I say fall. Uh, maybe kicks is more of a accurate description. Yeah, aggressively pushed. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I mean, he doesn't die. He lands on some uh, umbrellas. But... There's a little twist here that uh, Penguin was, like, up to something here uh-huh. at the building, and that's who, like, Catwoman was hiding the thing from, uh, or whatever. Uh, so, I'll, I'll, yeah, it was kind of like, when I got to the end of the story, I was just kind of like, I'm not really sure what that was trying to do, honestly, if I'm honest. You know, I, I just, I, I felt like it was... It felt misguided, it felt like the, the direction wasn't clear, and it was, like, something that was thrown together because there needed to be a story Just here. Quick. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel like Catwoman. Like, this could have been any bat villain yeah. that came across this roof. You know, so it wasn't unique. So, yeah, I got to this point, and I was like, I don't know. Um, and it's a shame, because it's Robson Roca, right? Yeah. Uh, on art. And so the art's fine. Like, the art looks decent. But the story is, oh, man, rough times. Mm. So, so, yeah. That takes us on to Tom King and Mikkel Yannin's story. Which, and it was funny getting into this one, obviously, there's so much baggage with with Tom King's Batman and Catwoman, and yep. the, his run with Batman in the back half especially. Uh, but, I mean, I kind of like this one. I don't know I don't know how you felt. I, I did too, and that's where I, I came into our chat and wondered, is the Bat-Cat book still happening? Because I haven't heard anything I think in it, a while. It's supposed to, I, mean, I feel like this is kind of maybe teeing some of it up, uh, potentially. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. And this is where I feel like, Tom King works his magic because I do know the, the one time I talked to him at WonderCon for the short time, it does seem like he has a lot of what the stories he wants to tell deal with being a parent and from both sides. Because like my favorite story of his is that Green Lantern one where Hal's dad comes back to talk to him um, from uh, Dark Side War. Mm. And then you have all of Mr. Miracle um, and what, what seems like Adam Strange, who knows what the parent aspect of that's going to end up being right yeah because uh, the, the start of this story is basically they're scanning catwoman and she's like okay have i got cancer is it cancer and he's like eh, it's not that he's like oh no don't tell me it's that now if i have yep. one complaint here because because she, she's clearly she, she talks to the baby uh when she's found out that she's pregnant mm-hmm. she's up on the roof on her own uh she's doing a bunch of fighting and stuff and we hear sort of villains react but there's a full page spread where batman and catwoman are kind of hugging on top of a gargoyle 
And I have to say, like, did she make like a custom version of her outfit to fit her when she's that pregnant? Because she's got the big baby bump, the big sort of eight months yeah. baby bump. <laughs> if in my head, Bruce helped that happen, right? Because he he created some special thing. Because my my immediate thought too is like that that's kind of reckless going in there pregnant, Selena. Like you think you could sideline it? Mm-hmm. Like Bruce has other partners. Like you couldn't tag in someone else. Bab's busy. I don't know. Like, yeah. and uh, I think but that that spread though, where they're fighting each of the villains, and she gets progressively more long. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool because each of them has a different color and a different villain, and kind of what they're talking about is first Catwoman and Batman as a pair. But if you read it from Selena being pregnant, that's about her and the baby. Yeah, and well, whatnot. I think what makes so this really cool. What makes this story work is that. It, it does actually have an ending. It has kind of a reveal at the end, uh, which is a really kind of nice reveal, especially if you're into comic book history and you know about, you know, Helena Wayne. The fact that this story is called right. Helena and that it ends with older woman Selena talking to her daughter. And we don't know what her name is yet necessarily, right? Obviously, we could have predicted it probably would be Helena. They'd probably pull that from history. Well, if, yeah, if you look at the title or at the, you know, there's a, a table of contents. The story is called Helena, so that kind of teed me well, up. Well, I never read the table of contents. I just got it yeah. at the end of the story. Which, that, which to, I actually think made my experience even better, because when I got to that last yeah, page well, and it said Helena, I was like, oh, that's yeah. nice. I, well, see, and I knew it was coming, and it still landed nonetheless. So that, that's pretty depth storytelling. Yeah, because... Janin and Ink Bart. Because basically, the, 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 what she's saying to her there is that, you know, you're mostly like your father, but there's in one way you're like me. Uh, and she's like, well, what did I steal? Like, what, what did I get? And she's like, "You stole my heart," and it's because it's this because the whole the whole story is about her being scared that she's not a mother, that she's not going to care about the baby, right. that she's not going to you know be this yes. person. Oh, you make Matt, you make. Ah. Mm. Uh, so it ends with this 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 little detail from the future that no no, no she did actually win her over well, and so on. Yeah, and it tells me too that King has a continuity he's playing with because we've seen the the issue where Bruce finds out he's sick, mm-hmm. right? And we have the Bat Family, and we see you know, kind of his last moments and everyone's there and including who we think, you know, was this younger woman is uh, Helena. So I like that he's playing with this. Like, even if this is just his continuity, I like that he's playing with it yeah, and, and I, the legacy. I'm getting the feeling here that his 12 issue book is going to be in the, the this continuity rather than main mm-hmm. DC continuity. That we're... And you know what? That's great. When he plays <laughs> with main continuity, I don't like it as much. Because uh, I argue with people about King as a writer, and I just, I feel like Heroes in Crisis and most of his Batman run kind of turn people off. Um, but then when he hits, he really hits. Like, this, to me, really hit. Um, I don't know if it was worth the entire purchase, right? I, I wanted more to go off of. I, think, I mean, I, I think I'll spoil it now and say it's probably the, it is the best story in the, the book. That's probably, yeah. It's up there. I have it. I, I like one a little bit more. But, um, no, this one worked in just how, you know, Selena thinks, like, she's a stray. She always has to run. You know, she's never one place too long. Kind of, she's afraid of the baby now. Like, this is for keeps. Um, and, and usually in these type of stories, that's usually the dad, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very rare that you see it from the mother's perspective. Yet... <laughs> You know? I, yeah, in this story, Batman's the stable like parent yeah. who is yeah. going to run. And again, technically, you know? he's already had like four sons in a way. So right. he, he has well, and he has Damien. Granted, he didn't know about Damien until Damien yeah. was like eleven. But so, still, um, 
but yeah, so usually you see that from the opposite perspective. And I think, you know, uh, with, with what I've read about like postpartum and women's stuff about being pregnant, it's not in the movies and TV where you instantly are going to love this creature. You know what I mean? This, this little person like that. So I like that we see that side from, from Selena here, but yeah, it's, it's proof that Tom King can still land these, these, it's not a sucker punch, but it is like an emotional gut punch. Cause I got to that end and I kind of know that it's coming. Like you stole my heart and I want to be mad at it, but the sentiment's there and I can't be. Uh, and, and the coloring in this great page, uh, this last page is great is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Blair's on the colors here. It's got the autumn, you know, the oranges and the trees and all the rest of it. It looks wonderful. And it's a nice contrast to the, the blue of the previous page, which was, you know, her with the baby, try to like keep her yeah. calm and, uh, you get the sense that they they take they basically swap nights going out onto the rooftops and doing super heroics, and the other one stays at home with the kid. Yeah, you couldn't do this on your dad's night. You had to do it on my night, huh? Like that. Uh, but yeah, no, it was really good. I, the sentiment was there, and I appreciate it. this. is This is kind of what I like in these these specials is it plays with the continuity a little bit, but also adds to the character. And Selena as a mom is something we don't see. Like she was pregnant before, but nothing has really come from that. It's kind of like spoiler and that whole thing like it was part of their character and one you know continuity and then they've gotten rid of it so to see her fully embrace it here is nice yeah uh so that story yeah definitely the best one so far uh out of the bunch yeah. uh we had an okay story then a pretty bad story and then a pretty good story so yeah. uh, a couple more pinups uh then we have the one that you were talking about earlier the uh the 60s story which goes full 60s yeah aliens uh, and catwoman and just i was thinking of our friend james and how much he loves batman 66 mm -hmm. and i feel like he would have loved the story but it was a little bit too silly for my book but i appreciate the effort like they're trying to yeah, tell a different i i Catwoman got, story i got really excited because this is jeff parker writing this uh story with uh, jonathan case on the art and I love Jeff Parker's uh, books at DC. I love his Aquaman stuff and uh, what he did with with action comics. Mm -hmm. So that uh, wasn't it. That was Greg Pak. What else oh, did Greg Parker? Pack. Parker did something Parker, else at DC. Well, he he's done a lot of Shazam. Like he's he's really tied to Shazam. Um, yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. He's done do stuff on Superman before, but he did like the the Johnny Quest book sure. when they brought the, the Hanna Barbera. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So, so basically, he has a knack for this type of stuff. Yeah, so this story is, uh, so it's Catwoman 66, and aliens invade, and basically want to take over the planet, and they've named uh, the Americas uh, one continent, <laughs> and then, yeah. said, oh, this other continent we flew over, that'll be this other name, mm -hmm. and they're basically, Catwoman single-handedly basically defeats a bunch of fascist aliens, and yeah. then the one alien woman who was kind of not really on board kind of becomes a friend by the end. Uh, it's a lot of bright colors, lots of pinks and yellows and uh, all that stuff. Uh, at the end of the story, Catwoman ends up on the ship with the, the alien woman. And she's like, oh, that's, that's yeah, let's go to, a, let's go to uh, France and, uh, right. you know. Paris. So, and steal uh, some stuff. And they steal some stuff. Uh, so and there's even yeah. a point, because she saves them from the aliens, there's all the people she was robbing before the aliens showed up basically say, hey, you can have her jewelry and stuff. You've earned it. <laughs> yeah. You've earned it. Uh yeah, I kind of agree. I, I didn't love this one. I kind of appreciate the, what it was trying to do, but yeah, I, it was different. I think I think it goes back to my problem that I said earlier about some of these stories not having beginning, middles, and ends. I didn't really feel like there was a story here. It felt like it was just one big fight, and then that was it. Yeah, yeah, it was a showcase of, of 
Catwoman 66 and, you know, Jeff Parker having a zany story to tell. But, yeah, it was, again, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, uh, you should read the Tom King story, Connor. It was, it was, it was pretty good. I don't know if you're being serious or if you're just... No, 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 we're, we're being serious. No, it was good. Uh, no, okay, here's the thing. I believe <laughs> there are one, two, maybe even three good stories in this book. But given they're, what, eight to ten pages? I, I can't justify well, paying full price for that. I'm sure there will be that that King story if Cat and Bad ever comes out. I'm sure that'll be a trade oh, sure. or something. They'll yeah. make it available easily. Um, it won't just be in here. That's a, good, that's a setup that it does. I'll, I'll read a wiki page. Uh, <laughs> sure. Next up, we got Cat of Nine Tales, Liam Sharp, uh, both rating and art. Uh, so disappointed a, in this one. Yeah, this is a story where Catwoman's got a security guard tied up, or she's ta- oh, sorry, she's talking to him and says that there's basically nine possible outcomes to this, and then describes each of the ones where okay, she ties him up. The next one is she she beats him up. Then there's another one where he shoots her and she dies. There's another one where she like dodges the bullet and, and hits him. There's one where she gets hit but lives, but then really violently hit, hurts him because right. she's mad, and so on and so on. Uh, and then there's one where they've, they've teamed up and the security guard was their inside man all along and yep. whatever. Uh, I mean, the art's not bad, obviously. It's Liam Sharp. I, I was expecting a little bit more from, from the art. Like, it definitely felt like... Yeah. Like, it's not of the quality of the Brave and the Bold was or even some of his Green Lantern work that I've seen. I mean, it's also so... worth mentioning this is a three-page story. That's all it is. Yeah. It's three pages well, yeah. and that's it. And there are a lot of smaller panels and I feel he does better, like, there's a, a thing with tattoos that the bigger it is, the more detail, the better it looks. And I feel that's Liam Sharp in a nutshell. Like, the more space he has to work, the better it looks. So what and you're saying, Matt, is that the Joker's uh, uh, damage had to be bigger on his forehead so it would look better. Sure. I don't <laughs> think that could ever look good. Um, <laughs> but, Increase but font yeah. size. Font size, 150. Yeah. Um, but so, I just... I, I saw Liam Sharp writing in... Um, and art, and so I went in with expectations. This might have just been a victim of my own expectations, but I was like, I was underwhelmed by the art. Um, I was expecting better out of Sharp. Yeah, so. I, I think it was a nice enough idea. The problem is, mm-hmm. I don't think the conclusion actually made it feel like I'd read a story. It no. just kind of felt like, well, he just fainted randomly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> After all the possibilities of all the things that could happen, where they end up in a fight, or or he lets her do what she wants, or vice versa, or whatever, and all of it ended just with him. Oh, he fainted. So that was it. That was it. Okay, underwhelming. Oh. Sorry to say. Uh, a couple more pinups, of course. Uh, and then we go on to the the story called Little Bird, uh, which is written by Mindy Newell, who I'm not familiar with. Lee Garbutt on the art, though, I am familiar with because that yeah. is the Stephanie Brown Batgirl artist. Yeah. So so Newell was a she wrote comics. I say I, I want to say in the early nineties. Late 80s, early 90s, and she really, she had a couple issues on a, on a Catwoman thing or the other, because I looked her up to see mm. where she got. And this story ended up feeling like a comic from that era. So, um, felt really, uh, not, con- what's the opposite of condensed? Like, it felt like it, there was more pages than the rest of them, and I know there wasn't, but there's a lot going on. Sure, uh, I, I, I get what you mean. Uh, yeah. it basically boils down to Selena wanting to steal uh, a mezuzah 
because the the foster mother that looked after her when she was younger mm-hmm. uh basically gave her one and sort of treated her well and it became this kind of this thing and it's uh, she's in an old folks home and she dies and the story ends with her like putting the, or asking for the mezuzah to be put in like the casket with her or, or whatever right. uh but the story is kind of like cutting around it's showing you the flashback of her as a girl uh with a with this woman and mm-hmm. being being told what this means in the first place uh, what i thought was really weird about this story though is that it's set kind of in like a year batman year one or just post batman year one era where selena's a prostitute in one of the flashbacks yep. and there's a lot of really weird like double entendres here where she keeps cracking lines about like you know batman will say like batman shows up to talk to her and he'll say certain things whatever and selena will just come out with a line like uh well i'm used to being on my knees or something and i was like whoa okay <laughs> yeah it's over sensual selena yeah. And and they, I mean, they show her as a dominatrix because that's yes. part of her plan later. One of one of her clients is, a, you know, a higher up somewhere, uh, and and yeah. So and that's what I meant. It felt like a comic of that era where everything was overly done, and there was zero subtlety, you know, um, at play here. So. I mean, I, I enjoyed the spirit of the story of her wanting to do right by this woman that, you know, was the only one that did right by her as she was younger, that actually felt like her mother. Um, so, yeah, again, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like the ending well enough. I, I kind of felt conflicted as it was jumping around all its different costumes and eras and flashbacks and, and whatnot. I, I found it to be a little bit clunky in its exposition and its reveals. Yeah. Uh, and to the point where I found that, like, well, the sentiment at the end was nice enough. I, I didn't really find it all that enjoyable to actually read page to page uh, once it got going. So, yeah, kind of kind of weird. But plus, you know, Prostitute Aerosolene is not necessarily my favorite version of her. No, so. and, and again, there's a subtle way to do that. And, and this was not it at all. No. Yeah, so... So uh, a couple more pinups. You got a Belent one. You also got a, a, a animated series style one, uh, which is cool. Uh, that takes us on to the Chuck Dixon story with Kelly Jones on the art. It's called Born to Kiln. I skipped this one. Really? Um, mm. Not not much of a fan. Didn't want to read Chuck Dixon, and I'm not a fan of the Kelly Jones art. So I just well, I mean, old school Chuck Dixon's stuff. I like. I like his old writing. Yeah. Uh, but. I mean, honestly, the, the Kelly Jones' art is definitely something I get. Like, I, I'm not a huge fan of it either. This story is basically her going after this diamond that she knows is on this cruise ship, but when she gets there, Clayface is already there, and Clayface and her end up fighting. Hmm. Clayface swallows the diamond. He's like, I'll put this somewhere safe. Uh, the art is something else. So there's a there's a panel that's it's like the top two-thirds of a page, one big square panel, of her jumping away from Clayface, and the body proportions on Catwoman on this page are something else. Yep. I, I can't even... That's what I was thumbing through it and I came across that one. That's where she's like horizontal. No, no, she, no she's, kind of, she's upright, but she... Like, so... No, obviously, you've got her boobs being very big, as, as you expect, and uh, the, the art like this, but they're kind of, like, lopsided, and they're kind of, like... Like... I don't know how to describe it. They're, they're kind of, it's almost like the, the art's trying to imply that the, the force of this jump, all, all the, the, the sort of the wind blowing everything back is blowing mm-hmm. the boobs to one side 
and they look like i don't know <laughs> very much yeah. like, and then her face is really sort of big and like the eyes are kind of wide and the, the, it's the so i have both hands for you page is that the one you're talking about yes yes yeah. look at it look, look at look at her even just the shape of her, her hips yep. and i was i was going through this and it's, i was like yeah i'm not going back to read this they this are is just yeah the art is uh basically horrendous is, is a word i would mm-hmm. use for it. uh yep. the actual story is fine i mean it's catwoman versus clayface in a fight I, I'm, I'm not necessarily yeah. uh dull uh reading that so it was an okay read from a story perspective but holy crap the art is like atrocious like i, I can't get over yeah. how bad it is the oh jeez. all right it's not even <laughs> consistent it's not even consistent the proportions are not only are they bad they're, they're all over the place in terms of like how yeah. they're changing every page uh so there's a couple more pinups as you do uh and then we get a will pfeiffer story with art by pia guerra uh, it's called conventional wisdom and this is the meta story that matt was getting at earlier this is set in the real world essentially where selena's at a, a, a convention it's called batcon and she is Selena Kyle, and she's confused by everything around her, but there's images up of all of her things, and she's sitting at a signing table next to Bruce, and she's like, Bruce, what's going on? Is, did the Joker do something to us? And Bruce's like, oh, let's ask him. And then he sort of looks over to his side, and yeah. there's a, a Joker sitting there, he's like, ah, oh, this isn't me. <laughs> this, this is, you know. There's, there's a Riddler, and then they talk about Two-Face, and there's a real fun part where you only see the human side of Two-Faces. Mm. As it's a human. The, the regular half of two faces face and profile which i thought was super fun um and yeah she's trying to figure out what's going on because she keeps seeing like guys on the ground that no one else seems to notice like that are yeah. injured and and stuff but the the meta commentary here is just about catwoman and the different versions because you get the catwoman 66 version and talks about how um she says on the count of three, the henchmen are going to hold up the sound effects that are the, you know, the big yeah. onomatopoeia from the show. And, you know, she's starting to put it together. And she's, she's also confused by like, well, what is this outfit? Why would I wear this? And then she sees like the Batman Returns outfit. She's like, wait, how hard was it to get into that? And she's like, oh, really yeah. hard. Trust me. Not easy. Yeah. Um, and, and then just the part that really drove it home to me is where she, they're doing the Q&A. And the guy has these super minute questions because I've seen this at cons mm. where someone's going to ask this question and it means the world to them. But the creator or the person involved has no idea, you know, but it's then a, at the end, it, it goes back to that gag from The Simpsons, isn't it? Where it's just yeah. a wizard did it. Yeah. Mm. And it's just, you know, someone's yeah, talking to says, yeah, not he, much of a role. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's what I was going to explain is what he says. Yeah, yeah. there you go. He's going, not much of a role during Crisis on Infinite Earths, and you were barely mentioned in Zero Hour or Infinite Crisis or Identity Crisis, though there was some controversy about your memory being tampered with magically by the sorcerer Santana. And it's all of this. He's just like, okay, what's this leading to? And he's wearing the costume that Kelly Jones just drew? Yeah, the 90s one. So just like, yeah, the 90s one. He's like, when are you going to go back to wearing this costume? (laughs) What is going on? And like, yeah, so it was just... The one-two punch from skipping that one to hitting this one, and just the the Will Pfeiffer, who I missed most of his stuff, but I did read... I forget what series of his I read. I did enjoy it. He's a decent writer. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this one, but it turns out that it's... Um, which doctor? Because uh, the guy shows up in the costume to ask her the question, and it's Dr. Destiny, the yeah. infamous master of dreams. And that's why the people on the ground, those are henchmen 
that she messed with and he put her into like this yeah, it, it state it turns out this device she got right at the start is actually mm-hmm. a device she's holding in the real world so she smashes it and then she comes back at a reality and she cracks her yep. knuckles and that's the end of the story it yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the meta-ness of it. I thought that was fun. I, I did think it was a little bit wordy at times. You know, the dialogue's mm-hmm. quite thick, uh, especially when she's like questioning things. There's a lot going on. But other than that, yeah, no, I would say this was enjoyable. This is this is kind of a, yeah. a, a solid enough uh, sort of... This is what I want in one of these, where it pays homage to the character, but, it, you know, it can still... Not that it has to fit with continuity, but it's still a comic book story at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Because uh, it's it's playing this plays to all the different versions of Catwoman that have been up throughout the years. Yeah, you know? um, uh, and he, I think Will Pfeiffer figured out a way to fit them all in there, and it didn't feel, you know, like it was too much. Yeah, and then we have the story about Ram V uh, with art by Fernando Blanco, which uh, is definitely the one that's leading into whatever he's doing in the main yep. book. Which is interestingly not the last story, because typically with these big specials, typically the last yeah. story will be the one that's the, sort of the regular writer or whoever's taking it next who's going yeah. to like sell up their story. This is basically Catwoman traveling around the country, uh, car breaking down, hitchhiking with her sister, and it's set after the wedding, uh, or, you know, the lack thereof, because her wedding dress is in her in her luggage. Yeah, so it seems like she's done with Via Hermosa, mm-hmm. which is the LA you know city that she was staying in. And she's going cross-country back to Gotham, and she's got her sister in tow. They get, you know, it's almost like Selena gets bored, so she starts some trouble at a bar, um, has to get out of there quick. And it's it makes me curious to see what, what Ramvee's going to do in Catwoman, if it's going to be any different than what Jones was doing and all the other villains. Yeah, this was kind of just okay for me, again. <laughs> I hate to say yeah. it. I know, I, this must be so boring to listen to, just go, oh, I was fine. <laughs> It was fine. <laughs> uh, if, if for the most Honestly, yeah, you're kind of making me glad I didn't read it. Uh, I mean, for the most part, the, you know, th- that's kind of the quality that's there. Uh, let's say the Tom King one kind of stands out so far. Uh, and of course, the last one we're about to talk about, I think, is the other one yeah. that'll stand out for both of us. Mm-hmm. Which is, so instead of ending with the one that's actually leading into more of the main book, they chose to end with the Ed Brubaker uh story which oh yeah you, you gotta send it off with a bang i, I guess yeah and it's kind of interesting they're saying though this ed brubaker coming back is a bigger deal than the story that's actually leaning into the comic we want you to buy every month <laughs> it's kind yeah. of funny to me well they, they've done this or they've gotten these teams where i feel like brubaker would come back under certain certain like not to do a full-on run or anything right um even doing like a 12 issue series though in, in the vein well, of like what fractions been doing mm. or or maybe or even you know a two issue something or like you know like lemire's doing the the death of x age something along those lines where he has his own you know just that, that black label vibe. freedom just do what you want yeah and and this plays right into his his catwoman era you know uh, it's got the cam stewart uh art mm-hmm. right yeah yeah, it's um, uh, it's basically a story. She's she's fighting like Joker guns the whole issue, mm-hmm. but our narration throughout the story, which and this, I mean, yeah, this was definitely you, you could tell the quality just sort of jump up here with the writing because it felt it was such a breeze to read this. It was so yep. smooth. It, she's telling a story about how she used to be locked in this room uh, in solitary confinement when she was in the uh, the boarding school, right in the orphanage. Yeah, and, well, the juvenile, so they sent her to juvie, juvie. Yeah, and at juvie, it basically was ran like a boarding school. And they had a boy section, a girl section, and of course she attracted the attention of the boys. And there was this one boy that she felt back that he kind of looked out for her and treated her right and 
Yeah, so yeah, they got caught kissing, that. and they they give her a lot of trouble for it. Not so much him. She noted the inequality here, where he was yeah. sent back to his dorm, she was given solitary confinement, but she yeah. basically in that time kept trying to figure out ways to escape, and she stole the pen of the you know the whoever the guy who put it there, uh, yeah, and tried to pick the lock, but acknowledges that you couldn't really do that with a regular pen. Like the, the, the spring inside, it's not good enough for it. It just doesn't work. But, you know, then she got locked in there again. It wouldn't be the last time. And eventually she kept trying different things and she, you know, she would keep trying to pick the lock. And it's basically a story about how the first time she ever actually picked a lock successfully, how the the, the feeling of the freedom that came with, like, oh, wait, it just clicked. I just got it. Like, I, I just I just Once, opened this door and I can get out yeah. now. And she almost walks you through it where first you got to set the first pin and then the second one you got to dig a little bit more for. But once you finally get it, there's not a feeling like it in the world. Uh, and as she's doing this, she's chasing after a car uh, and dealing with Joker gas and, and Holly Robinson, who character I know King, right? Did King deal with her during during the Bane stuff? Uh, a little bit. She, she was around yeah. for sure. But yeah. this is the Holly that I was more familiar with. The one that took over for her as Catwoman when, when she had the baby and, and whatnot, pre-Flashpoint. Pre um, and, and yeah, so the Joker gasses his own guy uh, in the taxi. It goes off the pier. She jumps in and, you know, she's picking the lock. And that's where, you know, she, she talks about how much of a joy it is. It opens it up and, and there's someone in the back. Turns out it's Slam Bradley, who was another piece of, uh, of Brubaker's run on the mm -hmm. character. And just everything felt right. Like this felt so natural. Like you're saying, it was a breeze to get through. I'm glad it ended on this one because it it made me feel a little bit more positive on it, and it tricked me. I it feel definitely. Like, you know. I, I think the placement of the two good stories being the third one and the what I mean is there eight like the, the last one. Yeah. Like I, they're kind of nicely spread out to the point where by the time you get to the end, you don't feel too mad for having read it, <laughs> even yeah, though exactly. seventy percent of it was so, just kind of okay. Yeah, so if I'm if I'm telling people which ones to track down if they can to read, it's definitely the the King one. I'm gonna recommend the Pfeiffer meta story and then the Brubaker uh, one. Just in those three, I mean, because if this was a more manageable, you know, if this was like a five dollar book and it was just those three stories, I wouldn't have felt, felt ripped off or anything. Yeah, that's um, true. So those are all pretty pretty good. The rest of them, I feel, are pretty missable. They're definitely those, you know, secret files type stories. I'd say uh, missable, and then, and then there's one that's pretty bad, and then there's one. I I, I think the the art and the, the you know the Kelly Jones art in that story is just yeah. diabolical. So it's it's kind of a rough time recommending this as a as a you know a ten dollar book. It just yeah. it isn't right. You can't even as much as I really like two of the stories. I don't think those two stories make it worth picking up the whole book for. Uh, no. So, but hey, I mean, we'll find. Out. Is it a Joker one next week? Is that the one that's next? Yep. Yeah. So we'll find out if the Joker one is uh, easier to recommend. Uh, I'm going to guess probably about the same. I, I'm expecting, but we'll see. Definitely going to look at those uh, creative teams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we should have a list by now, surely. Um, I don't need to find it just now. It's fine. I know. I'm just wondering, so I can send it to Matt and he can have a look. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That is the, that is the Catwoman special. I guess we need to rate the the book. It's kind of a weird one to 
to do because obviously it's a collection of stories. Yeah. What do you rate it overall? So if 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 we keep saying about you know it's just okay, and there's only three stories that you would recommend, I kind of got to give it a five, right? Because at least those three stories really hit, but the rest of them are kind of like, eh, you don't need to track it down. That's actually a lot harsh. It's a lot harsher than I was okay. expecting. Okay, okay, six. I'll bump <laughs> it up a full point then. Well, because I, I was thinking six, because I feel like the, the stories, the two stories in particular I think are good, definitely raise things up a little bit. If, if those two stories weren't in there, then yeah, I'd be like, this is like a three or four. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just not enough in there. So, yeah, okay. six, six out of ten. I can give you one little bit of good news on the Joker thing. Oh. There is a Tom Taylor story in there. Yeah. Alright, well, I'm reading that. Okay, it's fine. Settled. Action Comics 1022 is written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art, unfortunately, by John Romita Jr. And I think this one's especially depressing because it's the start of a new arc, which implies yeah. <laughs> which implies it is going to be for another I've, few issues at least. I did see some people say, oh, Romita Jr. is trying again with this issue. Yeah, that was going to be my first thing is it's uh, not... Typical of what we've seen uh, out of JRJR on his his work on action. So that does not said, agree. Well, I mean, because well, it's still not great. It's not like, okay. It maybe not. Be, it's not atrociously bad as some of those previous issues, but yeah. it's still bad. Like that's not. Yeah, I'm. Well, I mean, I just I'm just happy to be reading continuity Superman again. Um, Especially after I didn't have the the Venditti book. All right. Okay. This so because they switched it. So. Oh sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a it's a Batwoman Supergirl team up, which I might get to eventually. But, anyways. Yeah. So um, this whole issue is as if this could. I mean, Matt must be just livid that Ramita Jr. is the artist on this 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 story because this entire issue is about Superman trying to figure out where Connor's from, who Connor is. You know what's going on, and not only that, but we have John coming back from the future with Brainiac Five because Brainiac Five wants to see the fortress and like meet Superman and see the tech and so on. So we get Connor meeting John, and then like almost out of nowhere in the back half of the issue, it's like, well, so where 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 were you like on your Earth? Or if it was this Earth, you know, where, where did you grow up? Where were you living? And he's like, uh, well, the Kents, Man Pack Kent, I was there, and then Superman just says. Let's go ask them then. Yeah. And you're like, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. The so, Kents are back, officially. So, I mean, are we counting, like, is Doomsday Clock with this? Because this is very so, unclear. <laughs> I had a friend reach out to me. My friend Jared wanted to know, he never finished Doomsday Clock because of all of this yes. that had gone on with the comics. So he wanted to know how it ended. And I told him, it's kind of muddled that certain things have happened but it really depends on the mainline DC continuity to make up for it or not. So, like, pretty sure the Justice Society's back in some way or form. We just don't know yet. We're pretty sure the Kents are back some way or form. We just didn't know yet. And then this issue comes out. And, yeah, so m- my guess is that Snyder's got a lot of heavy lifting to do with death metal. Mm. That whatever had happened when they run off at the end of his Justice League <clears throat> run to now... Something has happened akin to Doomsday Clock. That's going to put that more in line. Yeah, I, was, he definitely always mentioned how they'd be cherry picking things from Doomsday yeah. Clock to reincorporate them. So it's not a surprise. No. Yeah, the, I didn't the, think it would happen this soon, though. Well, the big thing um, here, though, is that once they get to the Kents, and there's a subplot that we'll get to in a minute, but the, 
once they get to the Kents, they, you know, they, they show up, they, they come down, and they're, they're happy to see Superman, they're happy to see their grandson, John, because we've not really seen the Kents interact with John yet, that's, yeah. a, that's kind of a new thing. And then they're like, oh, who's this young man? And after a second, they kind of look at him, and they get his name right. They're like, yeah. Connor. Uh-huh. Like, they, they remember him. And, you know, Superman brings up, like, why can they remember him and I can't? And I can, I can only surmise that it's because the Kents, much like Connor, have come back after being erased. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, some, even, so something's changed afoot at the Circle K. Yeah, so like, even though the, the, the Kents have clearly had their, like, they clearly remember this version of the world that they're now in. Like, they're not, it's not like they're confused and like, feel like they've just popped up out of nowhere. But clearly they are like having sparks of memory of this previous life and because even at one point because they, they bring in like mr terrific and a bunch of other experts mm-hmm. to talk about where he might be from big brains and one of them even says wait does this confirm that reality has been rebooted like three times <laughs> and it's like yeah technically yes that's what's happened well, it was also also new <laughs> new bad guy du jour ted cords there and i can't look at him the same so thank you tom, <laughs> tom taylor you mean <laughs> Tom, yeah, Tom Taylor. Damn it. I Twittered him. Damn it. You could have pretended that was intentional. You could have written yeah, that one out. I could have, but it's fine. Um, yeah. But but yeah, so they have all the big brains there, and they can't even really piece it together. And I mean, this is something that was put forward almost by accident in Reborn. I felt like I was the only one that cared about this, about where was Connor, right? You and were. then Bendis comes in, and he's a main character in Young Justice. And just the way that Young Justice has dealt with, why can they all remember Connor? Or at least the main sure, ones. Sure. Uh, I almost feel at this moment where the Kents look at him and go, wait, Co- Connor? Uh-huh. Right? I almost feel like Bendis listens to this show and was mm-hmm. intentionally trying to basically re- you yeah. know, refute my joke of saying who every single time yeah. someone says Connor Kent and I go, who? Yeah. And so... <laughs> So Bendis is putting this stuff in motion, and we know from, from Young Justice, there's something going on with the multiverse, right? With Gem World, and the nine crises, uh, and, seven. and all of the stuff. So seven is it seven? Oh, yeah, seven. I don't know. Seven, nine. Who can keep track anymore? It's DC. Um, but with all the different crises, and Star Labs is is causing problems, and they made Earth disappear. They've created the Red Cloud. There's all the stuff that they're dealing with in young justice that led into this. Um, so it's almost like he took that thread of, of Superman reborn where they omitted Connor. And I don't know if they did that on purpose. I don't know if he, if they knew what he was going to do coming forward, you know, but I, I'm glad this finally pays us off. And, and the Kent's are back. Connor Kent's back. I'll- There's a place for him alongside John. Like they don't feel redundant. Yeah, because John uh, Cook has a couple of lines when he first sees him and see, yeah. hears his name's Connor Kent, and he's like, wait, I'm gone for like a couple of weeks and you replaced me with some other cooler son. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, look at his jacket. He's definitely cooler. Like, that was a pretty funny line. Uh, um, so, well, even, even Brainy didn't seem to know who he was, right? Yeah, no, that's uh, true. Yeah, but so, although Brainy did basically accept that rebooting reboots in reality right. are basically just history at this point. Like, he just knows that's happened. So, right. I mean, they're, they're setting things up. I, I will say, I did not expect, like, there to be an arc in action comics that dealt specifically with Connor Kent. I did not expect that to be, you know, spinning out a Young Justice into action and having yeah. Bendis sort of... I mean, obviously, Bendis is writing both suits, what he's doing, but... Right. 
so so this is it's actually kind of interesting to get this focus and then the other plot of this issue is focusing on the delayed planet stuff lois and jimmy uh obviously the world now knows that leon's a, is a criminal and that she's kind of into hiding because of all this uh she kind of says that she's not leaving the city because we see her with red mist or red cloud rather and she's like saying no no i'm not going anywhere and they kind of she said joe says i kind of want to kill lois lane and red cloud's like no no you can't do that first of all i'm a fan so i don't really want to <laughs> but you know uh plus superman will be after us and then do the whole thing but lois of course like and jimmy like the, everyone everyone at the planet's worried about the being shut down by the fbi yeah steve lombard's really upset by it yeah he's he especially like should have told him you know and and that's really on brand for the football player that became a journalist right like mm-hmm you know, he doesn't understand this at the level that, that you know, the chief does. So, and Perry's like, like no, we're, we're putting out papers, damn it. We're still the goddamn yeah. free press. We're doing this. So, right. Lois and Jimmy basically find out where Leon's mansion is and they, they sneak in. And there's some good Jimmy Lois banter here uh, where mm-hmm. Jimmy points out, you know, you only make these bad jokes when you're with me. You don't do it in front of anyone else. But they go to uh inside the mansion and they find essentially the, the echo chamber tank uh where you know the the, the secret mafia have their meetings now right. there was one moment here that i was a little confused by where lois says uh they're all here but they're all dead and i'm like right is she seeing that is that like right in front of them because jimmy's not reacting as if he's seen a bunch of dead bodies right uh so i was a little bit confused exactly what she was perceiving there or is she just assuming this based on something yeah, because the way that I read it was Lewis was putting it together, like deducting it from if Leon's gone public, it's part of her plan, and she wouldn't need them anymore. So she kind of cut them. Uh, but you don't, I it doesn't look like they looked inside the tank, right? It doesn't look like, like it. The no. doors is still closed, so who knows? Yeah, um, and of course the cliff fire here is that we just see some red, you know, clouds sort of start to creep up behind mm-hmm. Lois. And uh, Lois says, you know, Jimmy, we're probably being, presumably saying watched as the final line that she doesn't get to finish. But it's actually a really good final beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it hurts that this issue is much better than the previous arc. The previous arc with the fighting and stuff in Metropolis was absolute garbage is maybe mm-hmm. harsh, but it was virgin on it. This was exactly more of what I want from action. Unfortunately, the art is still kind of dragging it down from where it would, would otherwise be, I think. I don't know if you felt that as well. No, it did because it felt to get out of the year of the villain stuff and even the checkmate Leviathan mm. stuff that's been crossing over and just get back on to to what Benda started with the Man of Steel mini and kind of streamlining streamlining Superman's like who he is in you know from the Daily Planet to Connor Kent to the Kents and all of that stuff. So, uh, but no, I outside the art, I really enjoyed this issue. So what are you giving it? I'm gonna give this a seven. If it, if it had better art, it would it would be up in the upper, you know. But yeah, I, mean, I, I can't. I was pretty much thinking the same thing. I was thinking about a seven as well. I, I I feel like I feel like I really like what the story's doing, but seven's basically a ceiling right now for this book. Until the art changes, I don't think I can ever mm-hmm. give it higher than a seven. Yep, I feel the same. And that's not to say that it'd be a ten if it had great art as well. I'm not saying the story's that good, but. You no, know, I this... mean, for, for me, because how it handled Connor and all the stuff it's doing with the Superman mythos, I think I'm a little bit more biased towards that. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a 10. It's ain't Suicide Squad 5. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Chad did that to me on Twitter the other day. When I uh, I explained my uh, my ranking system, uh, you know, with the, the numbers translated to words, and the 10 I put as near perfect. And so I went, well, what about a perfect? So I went, well, you got to show me one that exists first. Like, you know, genuinely perfect. Uh-huh. And Matt went, Suicide Squad 5. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, and I know we haven't really spoken much about why we don't like John Romita Jr.'s art. We've done it in the past already. We've talked about it in previous issues. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not as bad. We don't have the awful, like, Grodd or Cheetah in this issue, but... Yeah, it's... I don't know. He has a weird perspective on things where the proportions seem off. I just... And a little bit too cartoony at times, I, I, and not in a fun way. His faces yeah. are just really flat and boxy, and... Mm-hmm scratchy and i just yeah i don't like it <laughs> basically to sum up yeah. so there we go batman superman issue nine did connor read this is, is connor finally yes, I did yeah okay uh Wilson <laughs> Rain. No, I, I i take umbrage of that statement i've been enjoying this book a lot in fact i enjoyed the last out with the the uh the nick darrington art more than you did i can never remember all right i can never remember you, you don't read a lot of books all right you've been sitting here quiet for a while uh right. i mean it's only been two books <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah the... but one of them was exercised, so... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's not my fault. So, Jesse Robinson writing, Clay and Henry on the art. Uh, this is the start of a, a new arc, which is nice. Uh, you know, I think it's actually quite lucky that some of these books have just happened to be starting new arcs here after they were, you know, gone for yeah. a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And with this book in particular, I don't know how long this arc's going to be. This could be another just, you know, two or three issue arc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have this thing here where we start off with just Gotham, we start off with Batman and uh, Atomic Skulls running around and causing chaos. Batman comes in to sort of save the day, but there's a bit of a twist here where, and I like the, the foreshadowing of this, there's a moment where the uh, the, the quote-unquote cops are saying stuff mm-hmm. to them, and the way it kind of like goes from one to the other to the third one, but they kind of mm-hmm. keep continuing the sentence, made me immediately think, oh, they're all like drones or clones or something yeah and that was only a couple of panels before the reveal i think yeah but it was the page before so it was like okay so they've set up the idea that okay what's going on here is kind of weird and so they're drones for something we don't really know what but atomic skull kind of tries to warn batman that whoever this is is coming after superman and he wants to get to superman through batman and then he he goes boom in the middle of gotham Mm -hmm. uh we find out later that it's a good part of the city for it because it was an area that was evacuated during the the bane uh occupation I guess we're calling it. Yeah, it's Williamson's playing a lot with um with uh rebirth kind of continuity here with the atomic skull from from Superwoman, right? Getting mm-hmm. his art getting some, Which, some traction here. I did like plus the, the city of Bane. Plus I liked that they know. referenced his time with the the DEO, not DEO, right? Major crimes, whatever well, it was. Yes, uh Sawyer. With Sawyer. It was with Maggie Sawyer, and it was science. Sometimes it's the science police. Sometimes it's, yeah. you know. Anyways. There's, too many, yeah, there's too many organizations to keep track of. I can't remember them all. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why and I appreciate he... Bendis knocking them down to Leviathan and Checkpoint. And that's it. Yeah. We're good. That's all we need. Um, yeah, I mean, so, do it a few more. Checkpoint, check, checkmate. Um, um, but, you know, it, it he'd been in uh, Teen Titans recently, I guess. Yeah, yeah, which I'm sure it happened. But obviously we're not reading that, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah. 
So, uh, Superman, we cut to him. He's flying to meet Lois for a date night. She keeps being followed by the press, though. Uh, they're in Paris, but of course uh, he hears the explosion in Gotham, and I, I like the little detail here because he flies off to Gotham and says, "You know, normally I don't even really listen to Gotham because you know Batman's got that covered. So it's only when yeah. something major happens that is kind of beyond Batman's capabilities that I'll he'll kind of swoop in here. And obviously, this giant explosion is definitely one of those times. It's, uh, an extreme emergency, as he puts it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he eventually finds Batman under some rubble. And Batman, of, and traditional Bat form, just complains that he, what took you so long? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. I'm lying yeah. here. It's it's very Batman. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Uh, and then, of course, we get the uh, the reveal of who who this is. Uh, building an atomic army, we have the Ultra Humanite uh, is actually in the the caves on the outskirts of Gotham. Yep. Uh, were you? I, I expect Matt was probably into this reveal. No? Yeah, I mean, so Ultra Humanite is someone that I don't have that much uh, history with, but he's a, a big talking ape with a big brain. He's cool as hell. Hello. Yeah. Uh, like... I um, I had to laugh at this bit uh, at the end where it says next time, because I, I've mentioned a few times over the recent times how uh, obviously me and Pete are doing uh, previously in the multiverse where we're looking yeah. at older comics. And there's been every so often just these stories that line up in weird ways and thematic ways mm-hmm. that they, you know, that, that, by pure coincidence, they shouldn't really have any impact. And uh, I noticed the next time the story is called Guerrilla Warfare, uh-huh. which is exactly the name of a story that me and Pete are working through now, right now. To be fair, though, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this, this name's popped up a lot, P- partly because it's really easy to turn Guerrilla into Gorilla. But yeah. also because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I legitimately thought the term was guerrilla warfare because I just misheard it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, no, I get um, that, but I, I just—it's—it's it's another one of those coincidences that's just, <laughs> oh look, another one. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Pete, have you ever seen the movie Captain Ron with Kurt Russell and Martin Short? I have not. No. So the, it's a—it's an early '90s movie where Martin Short takes his family on like a boating trip to like the Caribbean. And the only affordable guy is is Kurt Russell, who's this eye patch type guy, Captain Ron. And at one point, Martin Short went off the boat, and he's like, "Be careful going out there. There's gorillas." And Martin Short just had enough. He goes, "Oh, really? I'm gonna run into apes out there." And he goes off. And there's a whole part about the difference between gorillas and gorillas. And Captain Ron should have been more specific. And I just he made <laughs> me think of that as a kid. <laughs> Gorilla warfare. Uh, uh, yeah. Now, I think what I like about this, much like the the, the arc with the uh, you know, the many Kryptonians, right? I feel mm-hmm. like Williams is playing with some really fun little ideas here about uh, different. Obviously, we don't really. I mean, all on the fact that he's building like atomic drones, essentially. Uh, yeah, of atomic skull. But you know, uh, Ultra Humanite's not someone that we've encountered in a while, and I, f- I feel like Williams is just kind of having fun pulling from the DC universe with various ideas. Yeah. No, I uh, I love this show. I thought um, uh, Clayton Henry in particular was having a lot of fun just drawing big bombastic layouts and uh, yeah, flashes yeah. all over. Colors are very stuff. yeah, colors are very good. I love the Batmobile and the explosions and stuff like that. Uh, I do think sometimes he likes to do the tall faces a little bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a, a very standard Henry thing. If you go and read his stuff with uh, Gil Simone's Flash and those digital yep. bursts, mm-hmm. the exact White, same things there. Big blockheads, kind of. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, it's just I pulled up Ultra Humanite just to get a little bit more 
It says, originally criminal scientists acted during the 30s and 40s. The ultra humanite escaped death by transplanting his brain into other bodies, including film star Dolores Winders, a giant ant, and a genetically enhanced albino ape. So if they want to give us more ultra humanite, please <laughs> have him up. Um, and then on this wiki page, they have his goals. <laughs> Evolve humanity into a more advanced age, kill Superman, and take over the world. All failed. I feel like, yeah. yeah, like I feel like you could put that at the end of every like villain's wiki page goals yeah. all failed <laughs> because the villain they, they usually get stopped. <laughs> That's typically all what there, to be fair, the Joker did kill Jason Todd. That's true, wow. it just got undone later. Yeah, yeah, so, successful. Yes, okay. Also, his hobby includes listening to classical music. So if Williamson <laughs> wants to add any of the stuff into what we're going to deal with, please. Like, it, it'll be real fun. Um, I, um, yeah, no, this is cool. It, it's yeah. different. It's not like, like, I'm sure we knew Ultra Humanity was coming from the solicits, but I forgot. So well, we I'm did. like... It's like six months ago at this point. Yeah, exactly. So um, coming to that realization of, of who it is, I was like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. This is different. I think I'd have forgotten anyway. I think even at the regular time, but yeah, I yeah. often do. But yeah. and it usually it rings a bell by the time I get to the reveal. I go, oh yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah. This time it had been so long that I, I just didn't. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, now I I think what I liked about this one as well is I, I kind of liked that it started off with Batman and Superman just doing their own thing elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, coming together. Rather than they're already like together. I mean, not that's bad either. It's just it's nice for the variance, just to you know. Yeah, Batman's yeah. just in bad yeah. things in Gotham, and then the situation kind of calls for Superman at a certain point. I think so. I am. Um, I like their dialogue more at the minute than I did in some of the earlier arcs. I think Williamson's getting a handle on it. Mm. Um, the the interplay between them and and Lois too. You know, when when the reporters are all there, she's like, I can't really blame him. I'd be doing the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just little bits like that. Um, and Pete, you mentioned the coloring. I think the coloring stands out uh, in particular whenever a comic goes around, and it's got that purple glow playing off the other elements. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's good. I, I, so, I think what I really noticed it the most, actually, is it was the explosion page, and then the next very next page is it cuts to Superman just flying over Paris. And it's not so much that the colors are better on Superman, it's just that they're so different from the colors from before that the, 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 you know, the yells and reds really pop for me. And it made me really appreciate kind of how it's bouncing around its palette as opposed to yeah whatever else. So uh, no, I get that. For me, is the way that the purple, the glow interacts with the other colors. I think worked really well for me. Yeah. No, I I uh, I dug it. I dug it. Uh, Matt, what are you giving this issue? I'm gonna give us an eight. I had I had a lot of fun with it. Got it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with an eight point five. Actually, I had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I will. Yeah, probably agree with Matt and give it a solid 8 uh, so there you go which will tick us on Shazam issue 12 run by Jeff Loveness art by Brandon Pearson uh, so this is our guest artist and writer uh, before Johns comes back for uh, his two part finale to his story uh, as we've learned recently and what was funny is that uh, Matt earlier on kind of gave a sort of hint of his opinion of this when he made a noise when we were talking about the books we're going to be talking about today yeah, and yeah. Uh, it kind of surprised me because i thought this was not bad but i mean we'll find out why matt didn't like it i suppose <laughs> again it's fine i want john's to finish i just want the end of the shazam i 
This book has been going and going, and it's just it keeps getting pushed. Like, now I have to ask: Do you feel like you'd have preferred to just have delayed, you know, whatever, and you know, yeah. the next issue of just this this of the issue twelve would have been John's mm-hmm. issue, but in a month's time, rather yeah. than random fill in that we've got here. Like, yeah, it's fine, but I don't feel like this adds anything to the character of Billy Batson, or you know, like. He he gets to team up. That's cool, I guess. You don't see that too often, but I just... I, I don't know. I just feel like he I, I don't stands know. in this weird place where he feels like he should be more relevant, but for whatever reason, he's not. And I feel that that's his entire career since he's been around. You know, he, he outsold Superman way back in the 40s and 50s, and then ever since, he's just kind of there. <laughs> All right, you know, Jesus Christ, I, we're going far based on one fella. Just give me a minute here, right? This issue is perfectly fine, right? It's, 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 uh, you know, it starts off with the, the crocodile man shows up. He's in a business suit. I actually really like the dialogue between Billy and Freddy. Freddy kind of making fun of how he has shit villains because he's got a crocodile in his business suit. And he basically says, hey, compared to Superman's gallery or, or even Batman's rogues gallery is the best. And he's like, you never team up anywhere. So... Billy's was alright fine I'll say Shazam and obviously he fights the, the crocodile first but then he's, he's flying Billy home and he has the idea because he's never had a team up to fly to Gotham and again like Billy's talking to him over the comms on his, or over his phone I should say they don't have comms they're not Batman with, with tech and Billy's like, just sort of waiting around one of the blimps just been like ah oh, no I'll hear about something it's like you're going to hear something from a blimp and then sure enough he kind of does and he flies to the the like the the factory where something's going down. The uh, scarecrow's got a bunch of people hostage. And there's a joke here about how he's like, "Oh, how many derelict factories does Gotham have?" I flew over like four, yeah. just getting to this one. And scarecrow shows up, and you know Shazam's all kind of cocky because well, you know nothing can affect me, yada yada. But of Magic. course it does. The gas does, and I did like the idea that scarecrow can tell, but from the way he screams, that he's actually a child. He's like, "Wait, I know fear." This is not the fear of a superhero. This is the fear of a child. Uh, as interesting. So Batman shows up. Uh, interesting costume on Batman, I thought. They went for a kind of a blue cape. Uh, kind of old school. No, no thoughts? Not sure. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I thought this was an enjoyable one-shot of a comic. Uh, basically, uh, Batman kind of has to help him save the day. Uh... He's kind of inspired by seeing Batman's like sort of history with fear, uh, and they, they debate Scarecrow, and Batman refuses to call us a team up, but he kind of acknowledges that hey, look, when I was a kid, like I, I sort of gave myself over to being Batman, but you have a chance to actually still be a kid and be yourself for a while before you have to fully take all the responsibility. Uh, so he goes off, and Billy's like, "That was totally a, that that was totally a team up, yeah." Uh, so and he says Shazam and flies off. I, I thought it was a perfectly fine one shot. I think what made it work for me is, I typically liked the art. I thought I thought Peterson's art uh, worked really well. I thought the trans the transformation from Billy to Shazam page especially looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, then bonding is because he's saying, "Oh, I've just got a crappy crocodile that I fight," and Batman's like, "Oh, well, I fight a crocodile technically." Then the sewers usually, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, does he doesn't wear a suit. Doesn't wear a business suit. Why would he wear a business suit? Oh yeah, yeah, mine neither. Mine doesn't wear a business yeah. suit." Either. Uh. And I thought the, the Freddy-Billy dialogue was really good. I thought that I could really feel the inspiration of the movie here. The idea of uh, Freddy trying to help him sort of develop his superpowers and, like, who he is as a superhero. I was definitely getting vibes of that, sort of feeling the influence. Um, 
Don't get me wrong. Would I rather have the next Johns part of the story and just have this come after Johns is done? Sure. But I enjoyed reading this well enough. Yeah, no, again, it, it's just, it's fine. Um, but yeah, like it, it's it, Shazam teaming up with Batman, which is not a team you'd ever think, right? Like, they don't, you don't think those two. Um, one of the first team up comics I remember buying was the Shazam and Superman. I think it was all First Thunder. Mm. That was that was pretty fun. So, yeah, like seeing Shazam bounce off it. But yeah, again, it was all right. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I just by the time I got to this book, I, maybe I was burned out. I don't know. Um, I just I want the John stuff to be done so, to see so where we're going. What you're saying is hundred hundred pages of Catwoman. Uh, it might have put you in a bad place for this one. Is what you're saying? Um, maybe. Nah, I had a good enough time with it. It's a one issue fell in. Honestly, like this made me think that Loveness wouldn't be a bad permanent replacement. I I don't know what he's like with the uh, long form storytelling. Like I don't know if he does good yeah. arcs, but uh, I enjoyed this this one off issue certainly. I believe he's doing a two parter on Justice League. I think that was what we got in the last solicits. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's um, right. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how that is then, because I thought this was all right. Uh, hmm. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, Matt, what are, you, what are you giving it? I'll give it a 7.5. <laughs> you know how I roll. You should not be, you know. I can't. I can't. The whole thing. Oh, it's fine. I don't care. It's just okay. I, I feel really like go, back, go back to my turn and see what, see what 7 to, to, you know, whatever meant. And, and, and it's... No, but this is the funny thing, is I thought oh, fairly me and Matt are going to give it a different range, but I, I always had 7.5 in my head, because... Everything I described, this was solid and fun and had some good stuff in it. Uh, this was a 7.5. From if, if I had to take Matt's verbal review yes. and put that into a score to what makes sense to me, it would have been like a 5.5 to a 6. Yes, I agree. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I make a mockery of the rating system. Uh, yes, you, know? you do. You absolutely do. That oh. is that is a Shazam issue Mission twelve. Accomplished. Uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed it well enough. I, I think it was a fine uh, fill-in issue, essentially, for, for what a fill-in issue can be. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to uh, wherever it goes next. All right, I can I can uh, take a rest here then. So Justice League Dark issue twenty-two, uh, Ram V with the writing and Alvaro Martinez on the art. I think it did still take to say that uh, Tynan was like uh, still. Credit. I think he's still a plotter yeah. credit. Yeah, yeah, a story which, credit, sorry. What you can kind of tell, because what I've liked about Tynan on this book is he's categorizing things on the more mystical side of of the DCU, which is good, because, you know, not, not to sound like, like uh, the good doctor, hey, sometimes you need order, and I feel he's bringing that to, to magic, I right? Mean, I think what's, what's interesting for me here is I've seen a lot of praise from Ramby recently from from writers i love um generally british writers uh, to be honest with you i'm assuming mm-hmm. ramby is british as well um like uh gillen and johnson i've seen them throw around his name be shocked that he didn't get an eisner nomination for one of his books that he did with vault mm-hmm. comics because uh, obviously the, the eisner nomination just came out this past week right um and they were genuinely surprised that he didn't get one for this book that seemed right up you know eisner alley essentially um right. and you know they've been praising him for a while and this is the first issue where I go, oh, I think I get it, because I'm like, oh, oh, this, this is, this is hitting my buttons. Yeah. So it took a second for me to remember what was going on and how 
Zantana and Constantine went into the rot to, to find Abby and they ran into Anton Arcane. And so once I got that going and then I remembered uh, the Animal Man and Wonder Woman and uh, Detective Chimp, they were dealing with the fungus. So then I got that. Um, and then the other one was Fate, right? That's yes, the third part. Finally, finally put the helmet back. Right, finally the helmet. So once I got up to par, then everything started clicking into place again. And we got so one of my favorite things from the Soul Run was how he created the different kingdoms or the. Are you uh, about the Soul Swamp Thing. Uh, Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he created the different forms. So you had, you know, you had the rot and the green and the red, but also the gray. You had the, I forget what the technology one was called, but he had that one. Yeah. He had the story. So there there was more than just these ones. And now it looks like Tynan and, or, or Ram V are putting more in there. So Animal Man goes deep into the red to, to talk with, Something called the divided, um, and so and he takes us very clear immediately of, what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he takes us form. He, he looks super microscopic, and he he's apparently in some someone's body, uh, maybe his, his own. own. Yeah, and he ends up talking to the, the so the divided are the bacteria that that live within humans that help basically help you live, and so it created this distinction of there's these. Uh, there's these these kingdoms of the living and the kingdoms that aren't, right? Like, they're a little bit off, and the divided are kind of in between, just like the gray. And so basically they, you know, with some help, uh, you know, he explains about the, you know, everything's kind of out of balance, we need to rebalance this, we'll help you, we'll give you a voice and, and all that. And I thought it was really cool. I did Added too, and it was layer. a really um, self-centered argument led with mm -hmm. for the, the bacteria which i think was smart right. in that hey look you live inside us you know because i mean we have all sorts of bacteria living right. inside us and on our skin all over and some mm -hmm. of, some of it is good some of it is right. extremely good for us and we, we would right. die, die without it basically right right uh, and, and it's kind of gets look we need you but you need us you have entire species of you of your life form designed just to live inside humanity if we go you you're all coming with us and you don't want that right and so they rethink it and also i'm like oh wait are we getting more of these different things and then it goes beyond that because then you know soul and his swamp thing also had the idea of of art and creation and that being its own thing right and and here ram v takes that and runs with it not just with the the forms of of I guess there's elementals. Yeah, it's that, um, that fate goes to talk to, but also in what's going on in Abby's own realm of creation. Because as that starts falling apart, Anton starts getting more control. They start losing grip of that reality, and it starts to become the drawn, you know, sketches again. Yeah, they uh, completed into the dreaming. Um, right, and it is very much. Uh, it's very meta. It reminded me a lot of like uh, Morrison's Animal Man. Yeah, right. Um, where the pencils are unfinished. There's no inks on them. There's no colors. No. It's, and it's just, and not for the entire page. It's just in and out no. of around the Chunks. edges of the drawing. It's getting closer to them. And and Constantine can see this. He's like, mm -hmm. okay, this dream's breaking apart. Um, one of the wonderful touches I loved was um, the word bubbles 
Yeah. Um, you have the lining. Uh, yeah, you have the lining just to keep, you know of yeah. of where they're writing on to keep it straight. Uh, right. You know, showing on half of the word bubble, for example, and it's fantastic. Right. So, so you see that, and then you have Khalid who goes to Africa, and I meant to to research this, but I just I forgot after I read this busy week and everything. Um, but he he goes into this volcano. He's pointed by a Maasai elder, like whoever you need to talk to, they're in there. But when you go, remind them you're not a god, you're yeah, a human. Remind, yeah, you human, not god. And I think this uh, this elder, where where they are outside, they're in the Serengeti. Mm -hmm. There's right. all these dead animals that have flowers sprang from them, and it reminded me yep. very much of the uh, the the stuff we were doing with Floronic Clans. Yeah, yep. uh, well, Parliament. Because yeah, because the the Parliament of Flowers is in in you know and this is also where it gets a little bit you know game of thrones and the stuff that i like where you have these different sides allying with one another where now the, the parliament of flowers and the green are allying with the rot because of who's who's their champion yeah and, yeah. and kind of got the divided teaming up with the red here right because they're they're already and they're they're backing down the the gray uh and so he goes and he talks to these elemental spirits and it's the elemental spirit yes, of, of the flame Stone, Flame, waves, and vapor. vapors. Yeah, and basically, it's it's what I love about mythology. It's it's almost a creation story for the Maasai, is that these are their I don't want to call them gods, but they are elemental gods. Is, yeah, I mean, it goes back to some of the most ancient gods were, you know, these explanations of elemental forces, right? And, and so channels that, and so you know, Nabu's trying to get through to them by appealing to order and like we know you sit on the sideline because you feel like no one thinks of you anymore that they just take your your spirits for granted and and that's when khalid finally when he realizes that they're going to turn their back on naboo he takes the helm off i, I and, think it's and, it's what well, no, they, they want to turn it back because they're like no no, no. chaos is maybe the natural state of things humanity right. are the odd ones out here in trying right. to order things and if, if you disappear we're fine we we still exist. Right. We don't need you, right? And Khalid takes off the helm and appeals to them as a as as a man, as a person, like the elder had hinted to him, and said, "Hey, look, kind of the reason why you guys exist, not the not where you're from, not the basis where you draw your power. You yourself are from stories that humans have told, and, and that's where I was getting the vibes from the Soul Run." of this is creation and that myths are man-made right and that's an aspect that we don't see too often because like in wonder woman it's oh yeah the gods exist but the stories we tell are just stories they're not one and the same like, yeah i've seen this in a few different things where there is a a modern take on mythology where mm -hmm. the gods only exist as long as people believe in them uh, american right. gods actually has a huge I'm element of that say, uh, there's American gods, and there's there's even parts of we we've brought up Percy Jackson before. Oh yeah, that's that, an element in there in some ways. Like the culture, the culture moves, but certain gods could take more precedent by you know their their demigod sons and daughters doing better. Yeah, that has in a really life. interesting thing with um, Apollo versus um, God Roman sun well, the, god. Help me out. Uh, well, the Roman sun god. Well, Apollo is the same in both. No, no, right? but they had but, a different name. Yeah, for the um, other side. Uh, Helios. Helios, right? yes. And and the idea that, well, not enough people believed, so we kind of downsized right. and, and, you know, Apollo just took oh, over. Took over. Right, right, right. 
And so that's where where Khalid's appealing to them, and he kind of gets them with this. And he's like, oh yeah, without humans, we are of these. This form of us does not exist. And so now it looks like Khalid has has got the elementals on their side. Yeah, and I love the thematic parallel between Khalid appealing to these elementals and the way you know uh, Animal Man's appealing to the divided. Is that it's the divided? No, no, no. Look, we get why you don't care for humanity. You shouldn't care for humanity. You're your own thing. But there's a symbiotic relationship here, and you do not exist right. without us in the form that you think you do. Right. And then this plays into what's going on with, with Anton Arcane versus Atana and Constantine and Abby, is that Abby's kind of present in her own reality because she's lost touch with, with who she was yeah, supposed she's, to be. Who, she's stuck who in the Alec felt, right? And so Constantine brings up, she goes, I, I remember you, but if you're here, that means something happened to Alec. And he goes, you know... I think he's still out there somewhere because he's not completely gone, but, and that's what breaks her out of it and allows her to take back control. So then we see the Abby from Snyder Swamp Thing run where she's, you know, the champion of the rot and, you know, whereas Arcane wants to completely have the rot take over zombie style, right? Which is just pure entropy. Hers is more like, well, no, this is the circle of life. It's a, it's and, a natural part of that we need to exist, but there should be balance right. in, in the same way that, the red and the green have coexisted, and I think a large part right. of the uh, the Snyder and uh, mm -hmm. Lemire and Orman, Lemire. that, that right. crossover that they had uh, was about world. that. Yeah, it was about that yeah. balance that the the red and the green felt they needed to maintain against the rock. Right. So they get her now. She's back to full powers. Tana sends out a spell to show out through all the different realms. You know, and it's almost like but yeah. Now this this issue, I thought I was gonna have issues with it. And be like, well, there's so much time in between. But no, it went back to firing all cylinders. It, I didn't I, know Ram V was up for, well, not he was up, but that, because to me, he's just a guy that has done fillings for DC. Right. Like, I haven't looked past that. Now you're like, oh no, he's capable of this. And right. I, I agree. The the first page of each segment, um, I was like, where were we again? Um, mm -hmm. But that's, it's unfair to hold the book against you know that against the book too much because mm -hmm. it's not its fault that it was delayed. They didn't know that when they were writing this script. They right. thought it'll be the usual month and this would have been fine and the usual month. No, of course, of course. I'm not gonna hold it against it. You know. And so the fact that they were able to come out and tell that cohesive story completely on its own, right? Like No, I so, uh no, it's... I love this issue. I I'm mm -hmm. Me too. I already had a nine in my brain. So yeah. get out of my brain. It's yeah. so good. Far Sector, issue six. N.K. Jemison writing with Jamal Campbell on the art. Uh, this was one I was worried about, just in the sense that I, I was struggling when this was on a more monthly schedule to remember yeah. details. I think it did officially switch to bi-monthly, right? It did. Uh, it's obviously, it's been longer than that because of yeah. everything. But, but thankfully, they introduced recap pages. They kind of did, yeah. Where It's kind of like a weird meta thing where... Joe kind of is explaining it to the, the, the dude and then sort of like says, no, it's not for you, it's for the new people. <laughs> and sort of looks at us almost. Yeah, because uh, he goes, I know this, I'm right here. She goes, hush, this is for the new people. Yes. Right. Uh, so they're having fun with it, which is nice. And maybe they realize that two months between issues. And I mean, this could just be a, a one-time thing. Maybe they just slotted this no, in last minute for this. last time. Oh, did we? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. See, it's been a while. I can't remember. No, no, uh, I, I remember talking about how unusual it was last time because dc comics traditionally don't have the recap pages yeah right. uh so 
yeah, we, we get this this uh this story here of her feeling lonely, Joe's feeling lonely, and her the the, the friend she's kind of made on the planet essentially offers to come over and have sex with her to just basically release some tension. And she's like, I mean, that's nice and all, but no, I'm good. <laughs> like, I, I get the feeling that they probably have done in the past. Like, this wasn't the first well, yeah, time. Well, no, they, well, no, because they, they've brought up that up that they had a slight thing when she first got there. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Right? And so, but this is when I also realized that, or I had forgotten it until this issue, that they are purely digital beings because there's a part where she hops into her, her communication device to ride along with her. Uh, yeah. And she's just data. So them having that relationship and stuff, like where, where Joe's like, it, it kind of wasn't the same because it wasn't caring. It was just like a fun type thing. And there, there's commentary there that I need to dig out more. Mm. But, you know. Yeah, uh, this is a, a dense book in terms of its themes. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Marth comes over and wants to talk to her. And of course, she's pissed at Marth because Marth's the one who gave the okay to the security forces to shoot at the protesters, which... Oh, the first two panels yeah, of this I, issue. I, like, I yeah. again, it'd be a while since I read this, I wasn't even really thinking about it. It wasn't until I started reading it that I remembered what the last issue was and kind of so, went, oh, geez, all right, this is timely. But this also shows how much of a problem stuff like this is when that's, I feel, what Jen, Jemison's... her commentary to this, Right is like this is sadly evergreen yeah stuff like this could happen right and that it just happened that it got released on this week where tensions are super super high it's Um, it's true and this is not unique to this um me and pete have been doing six feet under uh, as a uh patreon exclusive uh review and there was like a line of dialogue in the the last episode that we did Mm -hmm. just just this past week Mm -hmm. uh that hit incredibly hard uh this week yeah, yeah, so, and that just, I think, shows the craft that's going into this book. Like, whatever this is, you know, I mean, I know it's Young Animal, but I feel like it's also part of the greater DC. Like, we've, we've gotten hints of Joe before Yeah, we, now. there's um acknowledgement that Jon Stewart exists in this issue. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. She's, I mean, not only that, she has, like, Gundam, I think that was. I I, I assumed that was Gundam, so yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I wasn't, I wasn't anyways, confident it's just. I felt the same thing as I as I read this. Like I was going, oh, this is uncomfortable, but it's the uncomfortable because like, no, there's a problem that needs to be dealt with. If we're putting this in in stories, and it just seems like that's part of it, it that it's uncomfortable you know, that you know this was written long before right a couple of weeks. Well, that's kind of the, that's the point. Know, exactly, and it's uncomfortable that it, it it got to this stage already, and and we all know this. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that's the point. This is not a surprise. This is this is. This has been in stories for decades and decades and is, is just as relevant as it was the first time it was put in a story as it is now. Uh, so we have this, but anyway, to get to the the, the, the gist of the issue here is that Marv shows up, she doesn't want to see him, and he's got flowers because he's he's been told, he's you know, he's done a bit of research and that's what, you know, men do for women on Earth is they bring them flowers. Yeah, he didn't pick the best flowers though because... Uh, no. He goes, oh, it's, it, it's it, the plant's dying, which is probably good because it's toxic and preys on large mammals. Right. Yeah, um, I kind of also <laughs> got that as like a weird kind of like just his opinion on like flowers in general is that you know because so, technically whenever you've picked a flower it's already starting to die T- you know technically you know the the death is I mean, already going right. yes but it, there's also an entire culture of plant based individuals on this planet too 
That's so that, the whole part of it being toxic, I, I think that also shows his bias that they feed on large, you know, mammals. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, so. so he's there and basically says that he's going to resign because of what he did. And she doesn't really believe him, but then she checks the, you know, the news and... Mm -hmm. He's already made his statement. Yeah, he's already done it. Because so she's like, I'll believe it when I see it. But then she checks the news. He's like, oh, he's already put a statement. Okay, it's happening. And finds out that, okay, this has kind of been made while he's on switch off. Because again, remember, everyone's got this, uh, what, the emotion chip, the emotion exploit. Right. Yeah. The emotion exploit. Yeah. Uh, and he takes switch off, which lets him feel his feelings for a number of times. And she, she refers this to being high. But as he quite rightly points out, it's not really that. It's more like... I mean, maybe it's more of a rush because he doesn't usually have these feelings, but it's actually more that he gets to feel what he really feels uh, during these days. Because one of my favorite little details character-wise here was that she she's sort of in her head narrating as she's talking to him, and she's sort of like assessing how he feels and what he feels about this. And she's like, okay, so he's saying a lot of the right things, but it doesn't seem like he actually feels guilty. But then a couple of pages later, he says something like, so when does the pain of like doing the wrong thing go away? And she's like, oh shit, there's the guilt. <laughs> like she's like, she, it's yep. almost like she has to like take him a bit more seriously because okay, he actually feels guilty. I, I can't just yeah. brush this off. And it, it's him acknowledging that she, you, we have to remember us uh, and her that the emotion exploit, as much as this is what we know him as, as the standard, that's not his mm -hmm. default state. That's you know him on switch off taking this drug is actually his natural state. Um, right. and, and this is being repressed. So it's as much as it's, oh, this is illegal and he's taking these drugs to do this. He's actually trying to be, uh, you know, it, it's it's trying to gain freedom, essentially. Yeah. And, so, and notably yeah. what this does is that in his decision making, he doesn't have compassion. He doesn't have empathy. He doesn't have any of these things. It's not until he takes the drug later and then sort of thinks about what he's done that he, he starts to actually feel the, the weight of it and what's actually happened. Because uh, one of the things that he even says here is like, how do you cope with this all the time? How do how do you deal with all these feelings? How, you know, yeah. like, and I, I always feel so lonely when I'm on this drug. How, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with this being the only person? And she actually accepts his his advances when she didn't uh, with the with the other one because she basically like, well, this is more mutual because he also feels lonely. He's also getting something right. out of this. Matt, you're right. next and so it becomes this moment here so so they have this romantic beat and this is when we see the john stewart like bobblehead or whatever it is yeah and the, 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 the it's a cool little figure that i would definitely own yeah. <laughs> yeah so so what i was gonna say though there's an emotional aspect to it right where there wasn't with the with the digital her, yes. her friend right yeah. here there's there's a warmth to him right now i mean um, i don't know if it's me i mean obviously it's representing these digital beings as actually fully fledged beings but i don't know if there's maybe like a metaphor here no for... but, but that's what i mean though is they don't feel because they are well like um, sure they have well, the emotional well, exploit right like well yeah but what, what i'm getting at is here even though they're presented as being living beings mm -hmm. these digital beings i wonder if there's a like a metaphor here or an analogy here for like not just accepting like a digital like substitute for re the real thing. I, um, right. I get where you're coming from. I don't think that's the case. I think the, for me at least, these digital beings are real, right? They're then they're like you know, full well, AI. That's, they're that, that, people, that's so. why I prefaced it with that. As a, that that right. part doesn't really and make it line up. But that's why yeah. there's there's stuff here that I'm sure I need to dig deeper at before I try to, you know what I mean? Before I come up with a theory, but. Her and Marth hooking up versus her and her, you know, who she lives with, her friend. 
So I should know the name, but I just the name's uh, a mess. There's too many. Yeah. There's, there's too many months between us. Just too much going on, right? <laughs> so, but just the fact there that this is there's an emotional thing. Whereas with the with her one friend, it's kind of oh, it's a fun thing. We can hook up, but it's almost like she's programmed just to do that. It's you know like what a, I mean? it's like, like a, it's like a pleasantry. It's like would you like right. to have sex on your way in? It's okay. The same thing yes. That, um, no. Marth says about his decisions. He he takes switch off to reflect on them, to actually right. understand them. But when he's making the decisions, it's just logic and the spreadsheet, right. the pros and cons. It's, yes, very, it's cold. It's... When uh, when Tillage offers the, the sex here, it's 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 very much this. Well, oh, you, you got tension? Let's just sort that yeah. out. This is what you do. There's no connection. Right. Yeah, and yeah. That's what's right. missing here. It's kind of like in Marth, it, you know, in Demolition Man, right? <laughs> where where. Well, no. When when Sandra Bullock and, and okay. Sylvester Stallone, right? He puts he puts the moves on her, and she goes, "Wait, no, not like that. You need fluid transmission. No one does that anymore." And then she tries to hook him into the VR thing, and you know it overloads his brain. Of course, that's where yeah. where Matt went. And obviously, I'm not quite the same as this, to be yeah. honest with you, Matt. Obviously, huh? some of what the the issue is saying, or what this the story's metaphor here is, is the idea that he's making these decisions when he has no feelings of any kind. He's just. Right this this cold calculated thing and the sad part is is that i almost and maybe this this story is going to do interesting things with this so i don't want to like i'm not this is not even a judgment so much as so is uh just a, a bit of you know thinking critical thinking along with it is that that's almost inaccurate because the, the problem is, is that the people who are world leaders who make these choices aren't actually cold and calculated in the sense that they're doing the most logical thing the problem is, is that they do have emotional bias it's just that it's biased in the opposite way it's this bias where they're you know, they're making choices so, right, so, against... So Marth's doing the most scientific, well, this is how you put down him, uh, you know, this is how you do that. You deal with a, a crowd this way, just because, right? Whereas if you add empathy to it, and him looking at how they're feeling, right, that's how it's supposed to go. But in the real world, you have people going like, well, no, what's best for me? Yeah, yeah. Right? There's a self-centered... It's not what's best for everyone, it's what's best for them. No, I, I think the, the, the metaphor does work to a point where there is this cold, like, inhumane, not considering the people's feelings. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when people in power make choices that lead to people's deaths or belittles people or disintegrates against people, it, it is this cold thing. Uh, but they're not necessarily just robots making choices either, though. It's more of a, right. a bias or a lack of empathy in another way. So it's not a perfect one-to-one -one comparison, but... There may be something in this story that even plays with that later as well. This idea that mm -hmm. it's not the exact same as what we have on Earth. It's, it is different. Uh, mm -hmm. But there is definitely like a, a bit of a comparison there with the the idea of just not caring about the people and just doing right. the cold like, kind thing. Of a, I kind of love that we're only halfway through this book and it feels so dense and like there's so much story to explore. Um, but because it is so dense, I'm not worried that it's like not got enough time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. in six issues, I'm like, no, we can cover plenty in six issues yeah. at this pace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it could be a concern if maybe we wouldn't get enough otherwise. But um, yeah. So obviously, basically, you know, the part ways. Uh, morning after, and she gets a call. Joe gets a call. Uh, to go in. Uh, what is she looking at here? She has, there's basically a disturbance. They, they, they think they figured out like what killed someone from the earlier issues. And we get the reveal of basically these beings that are supposed to be long dead uh, from the, the cloud uh, cratocracy, if I'm saying that properly. Yeah. Uh, so, and these are things that are supposed to basically have been wiped out. 
And this is maybe the part where the, the gap between issues, but I almost want to go back and reread the first six now before yeah, issue so, seven comes out. So I remembered that when they, when the three different races that live in the city got there, there was people already there. And then those people kind of pitted them against each other. So they all got together and wrote, you know, rose up against them. And so they're supposed to be long gone yet. They found there's this technology of these mechs that are there and they're active. So clearly they're not gone. And maybe from what I took, maybe they're still stoking the the fires uh, of these, you know, to put put them against each other. It could be. And there was a great line about when uh, when just go Joe mentions to a friend who's in uh, her headset at this point, being like, um, "Didn't you like wipe all these out for you know revenge for for that occupation of your ancestors?" Yeah. You know. Decades, centuries ago, millennia ago, however long it was, and they go, oh, it wasn't revenge. It was insurance, so they'd never attack us again. And she goes, yeah, you, you, you need to get that insure, uh, money back on that insurance policy. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that, that didn't all go so well, did it? Yeah. So we end off in a big sort of fight cliffhanger where she's taking on, like, a bunch of these these uh, droids. They almost look, they almost look like uh, alien robots, I guess, is the best description. Because they yeah. look, if you th- imagine kind of the aliens from, like, War of the Worlds, not as big, but, like, uh, th- those big sort of walking ship things, more, more, but more like eight foot tall than a hundred foot tall. Uh, yeah, it also reminded me of of an alien version of Ed two hundred nine. Like, uh, sure. Yeah, like they have they have the arms, their guns, and and whatnot. Like, uh, very I mech like looking. The arms are also legs uh, as well. Right. Like they they kind of run on both uh, depending on the situation. Yeah, I feel like the the biggest problem with this book now actually is just that there was so much history and mythology like thrown at us in the first couple of issues, which at this point, like I need to refresh on. Like it's been too too yeah. long. Yeah, you're uh, not wrong. So that that is probably the biggest thing going against it, but it is very rich in its themes and its stories. And when it kind of just tries to focus on one of those details, it tends to do a really good job with it and tends to raise a lot of interesting questions and kind of prods it current social issues through the the prism of science fiction which is what good science fiction typically does so uh yeah i mean there you go this this is pretty pretty solid obviously campbell's art's great uh it's because it has been it's fantastic without saying it's yeah yeah all right what are you giving it matt i'm gonna give this an 8.5 car yeah 8.5 for me too yeah i'll concur (laughs) 8.5 there you go boom Nailed oh. it. Indeed. All right. So, Matt's going to tell us all about Birds of Prey, issue one, the one-shot, the much-delayed one-shot that was supposed to be a series, then a miniseries, mm-hmm. uh, was supposed to be main continuity, then was moved to Black Label, was supposed to be out in time for the movie, then get delayed a bunch of times, and then the pandemic happened, and then here we are now. So, yeah. Brian Azzarello writing with Emanuela Pacino on the art. Matt, you're the one who read it because it was 100 pages and you were crazy enough to do so. So take yeah, it away. Yeah, so I, I don't want to make it think like uh, I uh, I woke up early this morning and waiting for my wife to wake up. I was like, well, I can't do anything else. Might as well read. Uh, so I'll start with the positives and I'll make this quick. Lupacino's art, next level. It's really, really good. I feel robbed that this should have been a series um, or Lupacino needs to be working on more series. Um, and... Um, Azrael is pretty, like, the voices are spot on. I can see why they were hesitant to make this in continuity. Just because where Canary is in this, and and they even add in um, Montoya. 
I think this was always Harley... Black Label, right? Oh, okay. Uh, so it was always out of continuity, even when it was Okay. Announced. Well, that's the, that's the case. Fine. Was that? I don't know. I, I feel like it was meant to be I ongoing. Was, I think, yeah. no, I think they shifted yeah. it within like a week of announcing okay. it. Okay. There was, like, there was it definitely... Was really early on. Yeah, but there was definitely an announcement of this been an ongoing. There first. was. I think ultimately, because it was so fast, I think it might have been like a, a miscommunication. Could, maybe. I e- either know. way, I it definitely fits the Black Label where anything can happen. So they... They refer to Batman, you never see him. They don't even mention his name. They just refer to him as it's his city and you know, you play along by his rules or you, you know, you do things in secret. Um so as I say, it's not that despite the creative team and Azarello, the story's kinda off and it almost feels like it was meant to be an ongoing because this feels like the first arc, it just abruptly ends by the mm-hmm. time you get there. Um, there's stuff that happens with Montoya. So the main plot is Harley's just broken up with Joker. It's a lot like the movie in that. So I I can see where that influenced it. Um, but she's also just been released from the suicide squad is that Waller is just like your debts paid. You're free to go. So she shows back up in Gotham. Canary gets a call from someone that was on a team with her. Um, and Steve Trevor, goes to follow up on it. So the guy that calls her is right in the middle of a firefight down what seems like in Mexico and is so it, the villains show up. Is it the team that she was on? In team the, 7. Uh, yeah, yep. in the New 52 for a bit. Yeah, because she, she mentioned Slade, so she's looking at a picture. So this guy gets beheaded by these people in the Dia de los Muertos. There are three sisters. Uh, the Esposas... Uh, what's the name? Basically, the, their name translates to the Word of God, and they're these new drug dealers. that They, they come in to a city pump the market with bad drugs. And then once people don't want to take those drugs, they give them their clean drugs, right? So it's this whole system. They have their eyes set on Gotham and this guy calls Canary to get like, to let her know it's coming. And also they had like this kind of flirty thing. Um, and she's like not taking it seriously. She's like, okay, well, whatever you're doing, well, he ends up getting beheaded. Trevor gets her involved and says, Hey, they're coming here. You might want to keep a lookout on it. That gets her involved with Montoya and the Huntress, who are trying to stop, you know, the drugs coming into the city. Come to find out that Montoya actually was trying to force Gotham PD's hand by helping facilitate this, which I didn't like because that made Montoya a bad cop, which is something that that's just not in her character, you know, to go above, like, Gordon or anything. That's why It's why Nolan eventually changed that character in The Dark Knight to be from Montoya because it's something that she wouldn't do. Um, and and Harley gets involved because she's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And she's, she's, yeah, right. She's she's trying to get away from the Joker, so there's a subplot of Joker's men trying to bring her back. And he's another one that gets mentioned, and you see glimpses of him, but you never see the full thing. Like He ends up firing a rocket launcher at her. There's a lot here almost of... Azarello took that plot from the Air Suicide Squad and went, I can do this better. Like, I don't know if that's the thing, but it's very similar. From him shooting a rocket at her to showing back up and basically wanting to claim her as property and not treat her as a human, and that's why she stands up to him. Um, and that's that's kind of where it ends. So they, they abruptly deal with the, the Word of God people. They team up. Huntress gets mad at Montoya for being played. Come to find out that Montoya, Montoya was playing both sides. Harley's causing chaos. Canary's just trying to maintain everything. Um, 
And and yeah, it's it's just it's kind of a mess. And it's a bit disappointing from this team. Uh, but it was a breezy read. Um, like I got through it in less than an hour, so that that's pretty good. I mean, it helps with the art. Like Lupacino handles action very well. I think Alzarello writes action very well. But it, I don't know if this was editorial where they were trying to fit it within the framework of the movie, or Alzarello just had the idea for this. But it seems like there should be more. It feels like there's. I wonder if there was like a sequel planned. Yeah. Like, even once they switched it to a miniseries, if they yeah. can, you know, like the deceased route of, well, we right. can have a, a few of these in Black Label, right. just keep them I mean, going. It's, so, it's entirely possible they'll do another one shot called Birds of Prey, you know, subtitle. Right. Yeah. So where this ends is Montoya's going to jail because of her, her plot into this. Harley ends up making the Joker has her dead to rights and is going to shoot her because if he can't have her, no one should. And she ends up telling like a joke that makes Joker laugh. And that's where it ends. That's just it. The book ends. Uh, Montoya going to jail. The bad guy is dealt with. Who knows really what happens with Canary? You know, she's just kind of there. Um, Definitely feels like they expected to have more um, when they're right. Because I, Azarello has been doing this long enough, and I've enjoyed the majority of things I've read from him. That he and just doesn't have abrupt endings like he's that. done enough graphic novels like straight to graphic novels yeah. well, which is what this essentially is right that he knows how to write those right so the 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 villains the the words i got they have a really cool look like with the dia de los muertos and just the you know the latinx inspiration the way they dress it's all very like again it's very batman rogues gallery and they feel like they fit and he kind of just takes them all out real easily like Harley takes one of them out, and then that leads to one accidentally shooting the other, and then they plunge into the river. So I'm sure that would have been a plot, the, the one that survives coming back. But it all seemed very, these are supposed to be these big, badass, you know, new drug enforcers on. And they just kind of get dealt with in a jokey way. So again, it felt like there was supposed to be more. So I guess one word to sum it up was disappointing. Because, like, Lupacino, Azarello, that's a team that I want to see do most things and yeah so i guess i'll give it a rate rating i'll i'll, I'll give this one a 5.5 so yeah yeah well i mean i don't know if anyone else read any other digital first books this week but uh i mean i think we all at least looked at the dc stop at world's end issue too it's, mm-hmm. it's tom taylor and of course we are yeah uh so this was the story of black adam and kandak when the virus hit when the anti-life equation hit and it essentially boils down to just seeing how he coped with it, which was basically to just kill anyone who came even close to someone who was infected. He didn't try and save people. If they were in the vicinity of someone who was infected, he just annihilated them all. And it got his country pretty scared of him at that. But because of that, it's pretty safe. And we have Superman and Wonder Woman at one point come during the story of of Deceased and asking for refuge in Kandak. And he basically tells him to piss off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wants to know how his people are doing. So the end of the, the, the story, which again, it's a digital first, so it's sort of half pages. So it's like 22 pages, but it's actually more like 11 actual pages. I, uh, I did note after our discussion on the format last uh-huh. issue, uh-huh. Um, some actual splash pages in this. Mm-hmm. There's at least two in here. Okay. I, I read it all sideways on my on my tablet. So... Yeah, but what I mean is some of them they don't they're not um broken up into panels. It's very much functioning oh, okay. as a splash. There's a couple okay. of them. Uh, okay. Cool. 
Um, I, I that's why I like Taylor playing that with the characters here. Is it's because of Superman inspiring Black Adam that things go sideways, right? Yeah. That he was found set and determined to do it his way, and for once, his brutal way worked, and things were under control. And it's because he decided to get in touch with his humanity that he ends up getting zombified. And it, I was, was like, "Damn, yeah, Taylor, yeah, you know, the prince walking amongst the people, like yeah. Yeah. disguised." Yeah, the yeah. the end of the story is basically. Because he's walking around as a human, he gets scratched by this one kid who's been like held back, and he wants to see her. Right. He gets scratched. He turns into Black Adam, infected. So, Kandak's looking pretty rough <laughs> po- yep. post this. So, so uh, yeah. that's basically it. Uh, as far as the splash page thing goes, I mean, I guess technically, but they feel more like they're just top halves of the pages or bottom halves of the pages. Like I don't see why. Um, I mean, the impact of them definitely felt like this was a a splash moment um, for me. I guess, yeah. I think that's that's what it, kind of what it comes down to here. In that, if you just extrapolate this out into being, you know, a two-page spread in a comic, you know, a splash, it would be that same page term reveal of here's the big moment, and uh, and and that's why it worked for me here. It but, felt like those splashes. But it will do though when they put it together in the physical edition. I don't know. Oh, uh, I thought no so. Uh, it still felt just as quick to read to me, uh, and certainly. Because, I mean, the story, like, essentially, again, well, enjoyable enough to read because Tom Taylor's really good with dialogue. It it does kind of feel like, although the ending is the only real part of story, story progression, the first, like, you know, two-thirds of it are really just, here's the beats of going through the, the, the initial thing, uh, again, from Black Adam's perspective. Kind of like we had with Jimmy last issue. And, and I like that because it's a lot more character work. And it's stuff that kind of got, not swept to the side in the first deceased, but it was stuff that's happening in the background and we're getting the kind of Rashomon version of this is from his perspective mm. and now this is from Black Adam's perspective. I, and, do, I do wonder how many issues we can do this for, though. Yeah. Well, the, the way the last issue ended, I feel like each one yeah. progresses it a little bit because we saw him come to Metropolis with the Army of the Undead. Now we saw how he became King of the Undead. And now I'm sure we'll see how... One of the other villains. You know, yeah if they're going to stand up to him or, you know, knowing Taylor, if this interweaves with, with, you know, unkillables at any point, you know, we'll see something going on. I don't know, but yeah, it's pretty good. Again, it's just the half issue things that makes it quick to read. And just, it, it, I don't it, know. It feels a little unfulfilling. It's, it's kind of the same reason yeah. why, like there's that whole new Quibi streaming service launch. And it's mm-hmm. essentially a lot of TV shows from a lot of big creators, but me and Connor have just ignored it because we have no interest in 10 minute chunks. <laughs> like, no. It's just, it's just really no. awkward. Uh, I mean, I think if, um, it would be different if we were doing like, you know, in this long form podcast format where we can just throw in this discussion for three minutes at the yeah, end. Yeah. 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 It's something, but if we were just doing single reviews of every comic, this wouldn't be enough to just no it would be well yeah it's and not... it's the same with those tv shows if we were doing like oh here's everything from the week in one big thing sure, yeah we well, might it's notable though that a lot now that we have the separate youtube channel comics from multiverse on youtube by the way just go, go check that out if you want to see individual reviews and playlists and stuff uh including all the classic stuff from previously but it's notable that i'm not cutting this part out and putting it up as this is basically just the full podcast exclusive this little section like you know right. this this isn't enough to be its own thing uh mm. Because we're basically done. I mean, there's not really much else to, to add. No, it's it's very quick. I mean, yeah. I guess on those weeks where we have three or four digital books to talk about, it can be cut up as a 
digital first chunk. Yeah, but it won't because there's no consistency because you can't find the previous chapters yeah, of this, for yeah, example. No, I, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like it yeah. could have been, but consistently, no. So, yeah. Uh, so that's fine. I, I don't know if we rated this last time. I don't think we do rate these. I don't know. We didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't rate so. any of the digital ones. Yeah. Uh, it's it's too kind of weird uh, on its own. And the weird thing is though is that like putting these together as an issue is also kind of weird because you know this Jimmy first part and then this Black Adam part do they're feel separate. Distinct. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're separate things. I, I think yep. we we it kind of we got away with talking about it last time because it was the same week as a deceased issue. Mm. Um, whereas like, do, do I need to talk about this every time there's an issue with this? I don't know. Like, I'm gonna read it, but. I mean, no, we'll bring it up because we're all going to read it. So, I mean, we might as well just throw in a quick two-minute thing at the end, if nothing else. Right, say. right. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's like it's it's so light and fluffy that it's just because, like, oh, I mean, okay. Because eventually there's going to be a cool detail that it's going to be feel kind of relevant to the bigger ongoing thing. So, I mean, it's a fun little two-minute thing that's exclusive to the, the full version of the podcast that I'm fighting with it. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's deceased uh, at World's End. Hope at World's End. I'll remember the title of that book someday. Yeah, uh, maybe by the final 14th issue. So the final book to <laughs> be talked about uh, here is actually a Patreon book every month on patreon.com slash uh, where you can support us for as little as uh, $1 per month, of course. Uh, but one of the higher tiers is actually making me or Connor read a book. So Connor's going to do one of his books this week. He has read Red Hood Outlaw issue 45. So uh, thanks to David for making him read that. Uh, take it away. Yeah, still... Lovedale writing and uh, Pantalena on, on the art, which is the, the knockoff Rockerport we've had for a few issues now. Um, yeah, this issue is slightly more focused than some of the last ones, but still pretty rough. Um, it, it focuses a lot more in on Jason and Bizarro's side of things. Uh, Armis only gets a few pages, although very confusing page of my pad. I'll get to that. And the um, the Margun stuff uh, with, with Maller and the Brain. It has like two pages again, not quite at the end as an epilogue, but just kind of spliced about two thirds through randomly. Feels very disparate, so that's still there. Um, it turns out they're taking over training the uh, Generation Outlaw kids. Uh, sure, fine, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I mean, we open with a bit of a flashback with Jason. He's on, you know, on some mountain of eternal despair, is what it's called, and. This is the the old cast stuff. The, the 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 people who brought him back to life, kind of, and trained him to fight these uh, these things. The untitled, that's what they're called, that are possessing them. And he had the the old blades from them. But yeah, yeah, a lot of nonsense. Um, but yeah, you know, we actually took it present day. You know, we're in the the riots in in Iraq that's going on. Um, all the all the people, the protesters who had hope. Have been infected by the uh, the untitled because they infect they, they they feed on hope or something. I don't know, uh, but so they're having to just take out all these protesters because they're they're not them anymore. They're they're infected. Um, the art here is particularly rough. In fact, I urge both of you right now to go to Comicsology and just look at it because it'll be in the preview pages because it's in the first like three pages. Um, Jason's arms are in the top half of this uh, double page spread with the, the titles on, so third page are uh, intense is the word I would use uh, very unbalanced and it's not even like consistently like this throughout the issue, like a lot of the time he looks fine uh, but here it was particularly bad uh, where it really stuck which, out 
Which issue is this again? Uh, 45. It's the last one on there, Matt. All right. Um, but mostly it's them fighting these things. They've got the, the old-timey superhero, not Captain America dude, kind of urging them on to, to fight. Uh, that's kind of just going on. You know, he's, he gets up with the he, the uh, the Captain America dude, whose name I'm completely forgetting, and I'm just using that because he's clearly supposed to be evocative of that. Uh, he gets infected uh, and possessed. Um, but he gets possessed by the, the leader of the Untitled. Um, and he opens up a portal, a gateway to uh, this labyrinth. Um, or what is it? The, uh, the entrance to the, the Chamber of All. Um, but apparently the only entrance before now has been under the Himalayan mountains where the old cast have protected it for centuries and they've suddenly just opened it up here um, and it's this mystical labyrinth that can be used to travel to anywhere in space and time um, and so I guess this is bad uh, sure uh, but you have not told me that Bizarro has a mohawk in goatee beard well I'm, maybe it's just a beard I'm sure I mentioned he... it at some point when he came back well Pete, he looks like Seamus now. <laughs> he's got the beard and the mohawk, and he's jacked and he's gray. I mean, just swap the paleness for gray. Um, also, yeah, um, Jason's forearms are bigger than his biceps, and if that's the case, you need help, bud. I think yeah. he's, he's been on that Brett Baker uh, training regimen. He's, sure. he's been juicing a little bit, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it really stuck out, because the rest of the issue... It's not that he looks particularly amazing, but he looks fine, right? Yeah, it's serviceable for most of the issue. Um, but that page where it's this showcase page, it really stood out as being very rough. Um, but yeah, and the, the Artemis stuff, um, she's fighting Essence, who is infected Isabel, which is Jason's ex sort of girl who was earlier in the run. The one with the dog and the sword that appeared a few issues ago, if anyone cares to remember that. Um, but nope. they're having a bit of a fight. Um, she's getting all... Uh, Essence is getting all high and mighty because the, the sword that she's got does hurt um, Artemis, and it's only supposed to hurt the guilty. And she's like, yeah, well, I know what I did. It's fine. I, I'm trying to make it better. Um, but then, then there's a weird page that happens, and I don't, I don't understand this. So she's down, you know, Essence is about to just decapitate her, essentially. And there's a, a bright light, and she opens her eyes, and she's just like, what? And someone is standing there holding, you know, uh, Essence just by the head. You know, she's got, she's got a beat. And there's this big, tall, Amazon-looking warrior with the, you know, huge hair, like Saiyan levels of hair, I'm talking here. And she's holding what very much looks to be uh, Artemis's axe, uh, Mistress, if you, if you remember. Which Matt probably does. Probably the only thing Matt consistently remembers from this run is the axe that was basically Mjolnir. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but this woman holding it, she's like, you know, by the goddess, who are you? And she's like, you know me, child. Say my name. And uh, and she just Shazam. says, and she says, Mistress. Like, this is the physical embodiment of the axe? I don't know what's going on here. She shows up out of nowhere. She hasn't even had the axe recently. Uh, I, I just don't understand. I, I genuinely do not understand what is going on at this point here, because it makes no sense to me. It's um, baffling. Baffling. Three and a half. Glad you're enjoying it. 
I'm glad you enjoy it. All right, I guess that'll wrap up the books this week then. Uh, I'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite panel slash moment, our favourite art, favourite cover, and top five books of the week, if we indeed read five. Uh, so, Matt, why don't you start us off with your favourite panel slash moment? I gotta do some thinking. Um, let, me look, let me look through the books. Oh, well, in that case, Carter, what's your favourite panel yeah. slash moment? Okay, fine. Um, it's probably one of the big pieces from Justice League Dark. There's a few moments I really loved in that. Um, I'm probably going to go with when they're in the dreaming and the pencils start coming in and, uh, you know, Constantine's kind of pointing out that it's falling apart. Um, and just the, yeah, the, cool. the effect of what's going on in that, that two pages is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm probably going with something from Batman Superman, I think. Uh, I feel like the obvious choice here is the reveal of the ultimate humanite, but or possibly the explosion. Uh, actually, I kind of just like kind of the, the two-page splash of uh, the Batmobile at the start when it cuts That's from the it cuts from the cops looking at like the dead body or whatever in the ice, and then it cuts to like Batman in Gotham, and I'm like, yeah, okay, it's, it's really nice. There's, there's not as many big sort of moments like that this week to pick from. I, I don't no. think, but uh, I'll go with that one, Matt. What you got? Yeah, so mine's only from Justice League Dark as well. And there's a, it's the page where Khalid reminds the, the the elementals that they have a symbiotic relationship with humans. Is and it's, it's got this really cool the, the layout. Di- if the diamonds and the X's and they make, you know, each of them has a different logo or a different logo, a different design in each one, you know, to, to segment them all. So it's really cool looking. Yeah, it is, oh, uh, It's a gorgeous page. I was tempted to go with the last page of King's Catwoman story. I didn't forget about that, but it was just... No. They're, they're, I wanted to pick something, too, from the meta story, but out of context, those are kind of difficult, because there's not really mm. a moment. You know, they're just yeah. fun little pieces. But yeah. So, uh, best cover of the week. I did try and look at a couple of the variants on League of Comic Geeks, just so I had some opinions here. Uh, I'm sort of torn between the action variant, which I know Matt liked a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. and also the 90s variant on the Catwoman one. The one where she's in the 90s outfit in the rain. That uh, looks pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just looking at various stuff. I, 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 in a small thumbnail, I really like the Birds of Prey variant. <laughs> but... And then when I opened it up, I'm not as keen, uh, unfortunately. So it's a J. Scott Campbell cover. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think uh, personally, I'm probably going to go with the um, the Batman Superman variant, uh, the the Mayhew cover. I think that's it's really quite nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Connor, uh, Matt Rell, we got. Yeah, definitely one with the uh, with the Lucio Perillo Perillo, however you pronounce it, action variant. It's it's really nice. That's fair. I'll go with the the little 90s Catwoman cover then. Uh, so there you go. That is that. Uh, so that takes on to our favorite art of the week. So this is uh, this is. I mean, it's far sector. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to be get cute and pull something from Catwoman, like Cam Stewart's mm-hmm. story. But it's kind of hard to argue with, with that one. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, so two top five books of the week. I mean, you can include Catwoman in this, but it's kind of a weird one to include. So it's up to you how you yeah. place it, Matt. But what's your top five? So I'm gonna go number one is Just Like Dark. Number two is Far Sector. Three is Batman Superman. Four is what I give Shazam. I guess four is Shazam. Five is Action Comics. 
Given positive he was on action, relatively speaking, but they are. And then how blah he was on Shazam. That was a surprising list. But you know what, Matt? We're here for the roller coaster. Uh, Connor, That's right. what's your top five? Uh, Justice League Dark, Far Sector, Batman Superman. Okay. Uh, my number one is Far Sector, number two is Batman Superman, number three is Shazam, and number four is... I'd probably put Catwoman at four and then Action at five. Because I think the higher points of the Catwoman, you know, are are definitely better and outweigh the art of action, even though the action story is better. And I'm, you know, I'm excited for where that's going. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll drop them in. So there you go. That is our top top books of the week. Uh, just before we wrap up here, I just I wanted to uh, drop in because uh, we're talking a lot. This is the bookend the show a little bit. We're talking a lot about the the reactions to the the, the diamond news at the start. Uh, I actually got a Facebook post here from Bedrock City Comics Co. who posted something on their Facebooks, which was actually a bit more positive. So I thought I'd just read one that's on the other end of the spectrum uh, for contrast here at the oh. end of the show uh, before we say our goodbyes. So I'll just read this out. So this is Bedrock City Comics Co. Uh, hey everyone, a few have asked how DC's decision to change distributors will affect everyone at Bedrock City in the future. The short answer is that the transition has already occurred and everything will remain the same as before and lately improve. Our DC Comics have not been dis- distributed by Diamond Comic Distributors since the pandemic began months ago, and we've been nothing but thrilled with our new partnership with UCS Comic Distributors. The transition was incredibly smooth, as your comics have arrived early and in great condition. Doesn't specify if they didn't used to do that, but it kind of implies something, doesn't it? Kind of seems like they did, though. Uh, uh, we're incredibly grateful to both DC and UCS, uh, who worked together tirelessly throughout the shutdown to make sure everyone could get new comics to read. Uh, we will continue to receive comics from other publishers through Diamond Comic Distributors and wish uh, our long-term partner nothing but success moving forward. Please don't hesitate to reach out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I think this feels like a more, like, a, a rea- sensible reaction, one that I would expect, <laughs> perhaps. You know, yeah. but being involved with comics culture as long as I have, mm-hmm. usually it's pretty unreasonable to be reasonable. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. You know what I mean? So that's fair. I just wanted to throw in a bit of positivity from someone at the end. And just to to counteract that, not not necessarily with that. <laughs> no, I, I stumbled across another piece of a new story that isn't actually just, about just before, the before you finish, Just before you finish here, I, I just said I wanted to end with some positivity and Corey Mealy jumps in with, just to counteract that. <laughs> yeah, that might I, be it's... the most British you've ever been, Connor. It's like, yeah. oh, Pete's happy? Watch <laughs> me step on it. <laughs> I know, and that is great that, that, that there are people positive about this. But just uh, a new story I stumbled across while we were recording that I thought was worth bringing up. It's a book we've mentioned a few times over the last few weeks is the, the Man Bat miniseries. Um, DC has actually told um, retailers that uh, it is delayed indefinitely. They're saying it will, it will be released eventually. Um, but it, it was really notable how it wasn't in any of the, the books that were switching to digital. It wasn't going straight to trade, or in, or at least they hadn't told us that yet. It was missing from the solicits. Um, so just I'll, I'll throw that little update in here while I while I stumbled across it. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> you might still get it at some point, Matt. All right, cool. So 
we could uh we could wrap up the show then and that has been uh your dc comics i, I will uh obviously tell you what's coming next week though i'll do yeah, that you gonna tell us what's next week yeah, yeah so i was getting out. i was getting there matt all right so coming next week uh from dc comics and let me just turn on wonder comics here just in case there's any wonder comics included here because leo comic use is weird but diamond's unreliable right now and soon won't even be usable at all so must get used to a new system so yeah coming next week we got batman in 92 we got the flash 755 uh, nightwing 71 is coming out as is justice league 46 we have harley quinn 73 justice league odyssey 21 the batman's grave number seven is coming out lois slain number 11 is out so that is uh, getting close to the end there we got legion of superheroes issue six we do have the joker 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular as we mentioned earlier we have Batman Secret Files issue 3. Uh, Amethyst, Amethyst issue 3 is coming out. And that about does it for the, the actual regular comic books. So that is what's coming out next week. Obviously, we don't cover all those books, but uh, the ones we do cover, look forward to those. Yeah. As- assuming this site is reasonably up to date, it seems the week after is considerably busier. So Yes. Yeah, uh, this this will be the last lighter week, it seems, for now. Yeah, this is definitely a lighter week, because half the stuff I mentioned here we don't typically do, so uh, it's definitely going to be lightish week next week. So, again, good for the 100-page book, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes, and the noise from that is all that needs to be said. Uh, so, yes, uh, let us know what you thought of the, the comics. Uh, please do like and subscribe. All that stuff's really important on YouTube and helps the algorithm and all that. So, you know, comment, let us know what you think. Uh Hell, even if you just want to, like, say, you know, complete in the comments for if you made it all the way through this two and a half hour plus podcast, feel free. Uh, but you can you can do that. Obviously, you can support everything we do uh, on patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. And you get bonuses for your troubles. At the $5 tier, of course, you get early access by a day to all the multiverse shows, all the full episodes of both comics from the multiverse and previously in the multiverse. And, of course, occasionally there'll be a vote as well for some of the classic comics that we cover on previously. So... Uh, do go and have a look and see if you're interested in all that stuff. Uh, I will also take this time to thank our Patreon producers, which are the $20 and up patrons. So thank you to Alison M. Forday, Cindy Palacios, Tyler Hess, David Short, and as of today, also uh, Keith Beard. So thank you, guys. Uh, so it has been a pleasure. Uh, we will see you next time. Keep reading DC Comics. Get us on Twitter. Always, always, always forget the Twitter. At DC Comics Podcast. Go to the Twitter for updates yeah. and shenanigans uh, and retweets of news and things like that. But that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.